On September 15, 1995, Spike Lee released his crime drama Clockers to a nation just three years removed from the L.A. riots, four years removed from the Rodney King beating, and seven years before HBO executives decided to take a chance on Dan Simon's inner-city crime drama The Wire. Clockers shoves the brutality of street violence, police corruption, racism in the police force, and the destructive effects of crack in the black community to a country that was either too naive or apathetic towards the lives of inner-city youth and to white America, who believed racism was a thing of the past that only existed in pockets of the nation. Spike's no-nonsense approach to one of America's toughest subject matters at the time should have garnered critical acclaim, countless awards, and instant classic status. Instead, Clockers ended up becoming just another financial casualty in the streets of Hollywood and is the subject of this week's episode of Bombed. of the 92 novella by Mr. Richard Price. It's Clockers. Ameka, why Clockers of all videos, of all movies? I didn't know it was a novel. Yeah, it was a novel by Richard Price from 1992. I did my homework. And <laughs> only, only, only took three years to get a mo- uh, movie made. Uh, which is which is pretty relatively quick compared to most adaptations. No, yeah, anyway, for sure. Anyway, Ameka. Yeah, like originally I was... I was advocating for Justice League, the Snyder Cut, because we we sat through... It was a logistical nightmare for all of us to watch a four-hour movie, despite the fact we were hyped for that, the meme. But, um, you know, we, we kind of, you know, we, we, we disagreed, and, you know, I got outvoted, and so... But, like, I was really excited to talk about Clockers anyway, because I've been pushing... Because we do movie nights like every other week or something, and I I was pushing Clockers because we went on this. We were talking about the Wire and like inner city, like urban, uh, Ur- urban, like, urban. You, you, uh, like I, I won't. I, I hate the term hood movies, but ostensibly hood movies. Yeah, like, yeah. like movies yeah. about the hood, about the game, about yeah. you know the struggle. Essentially, there's only a few movies that really talk about it authentically. And, you know, none of them really have a solution, which is, you know, like, because society hasn't, when I say society, I mean, like, the U.S. Northern American society hasn't decided, because they don't really care about that demographic or that 
area per se. So oh, yeah. I mean, like uh, all what... these movies can really do is kind of throw them out that th- present them out there, and you know. But um, we were going on a rant about those kind of movies and then spike lee came up and like spike lee joints you know i i respect spike lee for what he's done for like the black entertainment industry um and every, all that you know and, and like pushing these kind of um like not in your face narratives but like 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 he he, he he's very explicit and like the racial politics which well, i always yeah. appreciate he never he never holds back but but my problem is like whenever there's like an interview with the dude, he gets kind of like um, old man. I know I know I know he didn't do Boys in the Hood. <laughs> now now whenever he least. talks, when he talks, he talks like you know Lawrence Fishburne on the soap soapbox, and he's like, "You youngins don't understand gentrification <laughs> and uh, the the struggle, and you gotta think about the black youth." Like it's just like well well not even like I won't even say Lawrence Fishburne the Lawrence Fishburne character um, the scene in that scene where he's talking about gentrification there's this old guy this old black dude who's in the crowd he's like yeah huh uh-huh listen here youngins I agree with him mm-hmm. well I I don't mm-hmm. I don't know I and, think and like for 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 the late 80s early 90s Spike Lee brought something that a lot of other people weren't other unless you're looking at John Singleton who did Boys in the Hood, Spike Lee really was one of the few that actually like addressed issues that had that that were basically from Black America's point of view and bringing it to the wider society. So like you have like during a time especially in the 90s where we thought that fucking once Martin Luther King got shot in the head racism was over. You have a you have Spike Lee out here with Do the Right Thing and with this movie, which we'll get to eventually, but that address a lot of the racial just undertone, like the underbelly of just like like what society was during a post civil rights like mm-hmm. America ostensibly. And it's not a Honestly, good look, the, uh... but like I, I guess we should might as well just get into it at least. So back in nineteen, well, well, I, I, oh, wait, that? sorry, I never really, I never really answered the question. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry, 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 asked, yeah, 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 go for yeah, it. Yeah, you asked me why I uh, was pushing this because because of that rant, I really wanted us to watch Do the Right Thing, and then I, I went on my kick about like my gripes with Spike Lee, and then I brought up Clockers, and I was like, Yo, guys, because. They love, well, we all love Scorsese, but um, I was like, yo, it's Scorsese and Spike Lee together talking about the urban struggle and the game and like black on black violence in the inner city. And you got like these like racist Italian cops. Well, naively, I thought Scorsese was bringing the Italian point of view and i thought that spike was bringing the black point of view and it was gonna it was like peanut butter and jelly up we'll get to to that but apparently that wasn't the case that was my mindset at the time and i thought it was like the i thought it was a really beautiful amalgamation between the two but it turns out it was mainly spike which is even great because because his take on the italian take was pretty classic do the right thing spike lee but but spike you know growing up in brooklyn obviously before gentrification all that in the 90s he he kind of knew the different melting pot cultures and how they viewed each other the different camps and there's always there's always been that like 
Italian versus black thing going yeah. on because Italians are like also in the like culturally in North America they they were in the lower I want to say they were in the lower income area financially because of Eris Island because of like they were late in the immigration game yeah so they were kind of in these um red line neighborhoods right well next to black people especially in Brooklyn but um because of that um there is this like kind of a superiority thing going on where the Italians were like oh we're white you know we're white we built we practically built this city when we came over here. Why are we lumped next to the niggas? We're white. We should be getting all the, these privileges, you know, kind of similar to, like, when, like, way early America, when, like, Protestant, like, pilgrim, white, white Protestant descendants were, like, kind of having this weird superiority thing with the white Irish that came over. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, and there's I that weird classism so, so, thing going so, on. So wait, wait. So I just want to before we get into like a 90 minute rant. So why did you choose clockers? Of <laughs> just uh, like I'm so no, I, no. The reason I chose clockers because I was like, yo, you guys like Scorsese, and I like Spike Lee. Here's a movie that brings them both together. Man, I'm Sorry. glad you mentioned the Irish immigration <laughs> and whatnot to say that sentence. I'm, I'm really I'm, glad I'm, you I'm did. I'm glad that you've brought up John Singleton's like biggest movie hit and like yeah. 97 historical facts. Yeah, we'll so you could say to... you guys like Scorsese. Scorsese helped. Scorsese was the king of the world. Meanwhile, uh, after researching, I come to find out Scorsese basically had nothing to do with the creative process of this film. So, back in 1995, the Studio Universal, they bought the rights to the 1992 novel written by Richard Price of the same name for about $1.9 million. They were shopping around the film and they gave the uh, they gave it over to Martin Scorsese initially. Now, Martin wanted the film to be focused on the lead cop, Rocco Klein, who initially was going to be played by Robert De Niro, his go-to in most of these movies. Then all after working through the script with Richard Price, he kind of just sort of realized this might not be the movie for me. And also I want to work on this weird other project named Casino. So he fucked off with Robert De Niro, gave the movie over to Spike Lee, and Spike basically reworked this entire movie, this entire film, to actually be kind of like a proto-The Wire telling of the crack epidemic, which is really, really powerful. But initially, Spike wanted to do a bunch of super creative things with the film, and the studio kind of were, like, very handcuffy with him on a bunch of stuff. Like, initially, uh, we'll get into it a little bit more, but, like, there was casting choices he wanted to do that didn't really get into, like, get in place here and there, what have you. But I think we should just get started talking about this film, guys. What do you guys think, huh? I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Clockers was a movie. It was released back in 1995. The start of this film is really fucking pretty intense. Uh, it opens up to a bunch of photos of what... It looks like straight-up crime scene photos. Now, when we were initially watching it, I, I thought that they were legit real crime scene photos and, and 
both you you guys both said nah that's not the case at all what the fuck are you talking about that's ridiculous come to find out of course spike lee hired his brother david lee to go to a precinct and actually have like copies of actual autopsy crime scene photos and then sent them out and hired a bunch of actors to recreate all of these scenes so these are scenes of actual of like recreated actual crime scene photos i thought they were real i didn't know they were recreated they look fucking super real i actually have a quote from david lee i saw the most gruesome autopsy photos you could imagine of course it would be in bad taste to use the actual photos in the film so we duplicated them we did this for effect We wanted the viewers to know, before they got settled into their seats, that our film was about serious business. (laughs) That's what I love about Spike. He he pulls no punches. He's explicit. Um, No, that that brings up a a good point. When they do the autopsy scene on the character of... Oh man, I don't remember his name. Oh, dude, the I want to go. Chain. I want to wait. I want to wait on that because that seems one of my favorite fucking things in the movie. Well, mm. Right, right, right. But like, I'm not going to describe the scene, but I want to oh, yeah. say that the special effects department, the makeup department, really like. I don't know. That dude looked dead. Oh, he mm. yeah, it looked really, like all the fake shit. blood and stuff looks cheesy. But, like, the torn-up clothes, where the bullet holes, like, penetrated his skin and all that. And, like, how his, like, skin got burned from the bullet and all that. It looked looked real. Yeah, the the violence in this movie is so fucking realistic. Like, and this is back in, like, the 90s where, like, violence was almost borderline cartoonish. If not, you never saw blood splatter ever. And here's a film that just straight up says, nah, fuck you. You get to see all of it. Fucking it was, all of it. It wasn't hyper-violent. It, it, was, it was very, it was, I want to say clinical. Yeah. In a sense that, like, it was very, like, bullet entry goes through here, causes this, and then this is what the result is. It was very clinical, right. and I really appreciate that. I felt, it felt like a House MD episode. Like the the depictions here of the of the violence and just like the the gang lifestyle, it's super super fucking realistic. Like we could get up to like the the first scene of the film, which actually starts off with a pretty fucking ridiculous conversation about hip hop artists. But it actually oh sets... I love yeah go Ooh, for it. I love I love that. Scene. Do we have the uh, trans? Do we have the transcript of it by? <laughs> Yo, yo, Chuck D is a bomb, dog. What? Get yeah, 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 Hard. Yo, man, you, you do what you gonna do, man. I ain't buying no shit that ain't hardcore. Come on, man. You ain't got shit nobody to prove your hardcore. Hold on, hold on. The only niggas I ever represent is my man Tupac, 
G-Rap and Wu-Tang straight up. Fucking Dr. Dre straight up. Alright? Nigga talking all this positive shit. Motherfucking world we live in ain't positive shit. is negative. You know what I'm saying? That's one motherfucking sex and violence and one motherfucking rap. Yo, all I'm saying is I like positive rappers, kid. What? Quotes, but like basically the whole conversation uh -huh. is you have you have Strike, who's the leader, who's played by uh, Mackay Pfeiffer of paid in full fame. This is his debut movie. Mackay Pfeiffer plays Strike, who's kind of like this 21-year-old man-child, and he runs the Benches, which is like a crew that does the drug deals for his boss, Rodney Little, which we'll get to later. Yeah, he's like the, he's essentially the, the, corner, bo the corner boy who takes all the hits from the police because his boss doesn't want to be physically there to get implicated because of his record. He's essentially a puppet. He's a go-between, and he's part of this... He was groomed into this pyramid it, scheme. It, but what I love about um, that scene, it, like, it just felt realistic, like, mm -hmm. from the black perspective, as as a blicky black, black, black <laughs> over here. Like, they, they're like, okay, so, like, the corner boys are kind of just, like, fucking around. That Like, I guess it was, like, a slow d day in the life of a drug dealer. And they're having this, <laughs> argue, they're having this <laughs> argument where, like, like this like water cooler argument where like they're arguing was, they're arguing uh, like, the validity of rap uh, like the yeah they were talking about the validity of like uh positivity rappers yeah right like like will smith um i can't think of like another one off the well, top the example of my head they were something. using because the guy comes up and he's like man i really love chuck d and right, scientific yeah. who is the gangbanger <laughs> hustler guy like the like I say this in the way of like this dude straight up his whole character is I'm hot as fuck. I'm hot. And he's played no, by No no, he was ignorant as shit. <laughs> he's played by no. Sticky Fingers from from Onyx. <laughs> and so uh. And so this guy, this whole time, he's like, nah, fuck that positivity shit. Fuck Chuck D. Fuck like fuck Tribe Conquest. Q tips a bitch. I only rep I only rep Wu Tang Clan, Tupac, some other guy, Dr. Dre. That's it. That's real hip hop. Dr. Dre so I only rep I only rep rappers who, who he said they don't fuck no bitches. They don't shoot up niggas they don't they don't pedal that dope they don't do that shit see they don't do that shit i do i'm out here well he said life ain't positive it's negative so i re I, I respect that that reality rap shit which is like a legitimate um because because reality and, and realness and authenticity is very celebrated yeah. and a nigga who makes shit up on soundcloud is not celebrated you well, feel it's, me? And even so, that, it's like the '90s equivalent to it, because like they were they were shitting on people like Arrested Development who were doing like the right. Africana rap and like, oh, let's just be you know peace, love, man. There's nothing. And these guys were like, nah, we're hard. We like that hard shit. And it shows, like, it gets you right in place, uh, like right after the fucking autopsy slideshow that you get as the opening credits. You just get this scene of like. This is these these guys are hard. These guys either they are hard or they think that they're hard. And really, it's like they're more so that they think that they're hard because scientific spoiler alert ends up dead by the end of the movie because he thought he was the hard motherfucker. And strike our main character, even though he's the leader of this gang, he's like 24 and chugging fucking chocolate milk. <laughs> oh, my God. No. So 
the the argument ends i think one person slides over to the other side and one runs over to the other side saying you know what i do like hardship walks to the other side of the argument which i like that visual the debate and then the other one was i'm just saying i like positivity rap and they move over and then uh i think it was scientific i could be wrong but he he was like what do you think strike and strikes like yo fuck all that shit man you know first of all you're supposed to be on lookout Yo, everyone, get back to fucking work, bro. Yeah, and yep. then Kai Pfeiffer uh, they, ain't having this shit. He is not having right, it. Right, right. And then they they all get back. Also, he Kai Pfeiffer is rocking these beautiful denim uh, overalls. Overalls <laughs> and nothing else. He was like butt naked. <laughs> I was like, this oh, is a night. This is a '90s fashion choice, but then later you find out that like there is a they didn't mention it, but like this is my head canon. There is like a strategic reason he had the overalls and nothing else on because of the pat now. Oh yeah, but, which um, happens immediately after they lead off. So this, this white guy comes back. This white guy shows up to buy some some dope, and I made this joke that Liam's coming because <laughs> uh, he had like you. the same. You have the Fuck same haircut. No, <laughs> also, okay. you do wear shorts during the winter, bro. You're that kind of white. I do not wear shorts during the winter. What the fuck, bro? Put me on blast. Anyway, so Liam walks by, and he <laughs> he's like, yo, can I get some dope? And well, they, have I was, they show... I was going to say, oh, you sorry. Explain I, I, yeah, I, no, well, not even that. I just want to be like, like the drug dealing scenes in this movie are like, until The Wire, you don't really get any realistic shit. You usually get like... Oh, you you got the good shit. Oh, I, I got. The hey, good man, shit. you want to get high? Yeah. Or or you got <laughs> or you got. Oh, you got the good shit. Yeah, I got the good shit. By the way, get your fucking ass on the ground. You know the, that those are the only two. You or it's never... like you got the you got the briefcase full of cocaine. You got the briefcase full of hundred dollar bills. Exactly. <laughs> clip clip. This shit's because nobody nobody buys like thirty dollars worth of drugs. This is probably the most. This is probably the most realistic drug deal scene that I've seen in a long fucking time. Because you have this, like, this this guy that apparently looks like me. Can walk up, and he's smoking a cig. He goes up to one of the guys. He's like, yo, what do you want? He's like, yeah, I just want some rock. He's like, okay, hold up. And then this guy signals some guy in the back corner who's on lookout, who looks over and gives the sign over to sci- to Scientific and his guy, who go into a building, they pick up something, one of the other guys gets the thing from Scientific, walks downstairs, drops it off to a trash can, all of them not looking at one another, which is, like, this is real shit. This is real right, fucking right. shit. Also, Strike was definitely, like, the, he was in charge of all the signaling and everything, like who who is signaled to what, and all he did was sit on a bench. He did he he didn't talk to the white kid. He didn't touch any of the drugs. It was all separated. There was no um. There wasn't like there was a transaction that happened, but there was no like physical. There wasn't any physical between... contact, so that way that exactly. if there was police watching, they wouldn't be in on, trouble. On paper, that white dude just handed them $20 and then found crack in the trash can nearby. That's all that happened. Yeah, basically, yeah. And the guy he handed the $20 to wasn't even the guy who put the shit in the trash can. It's a completely yeah, so that was just coincidence, yeah. Yeah, so they, they, it's like it's the most realistic depiction of like hard drug dealing I've ever seen in my life. And the and the slang term for all of this is clocking, not drug dealing, clocking, because you know they're clocking in essentially. Well, because it's because they're hustling around the clock, so they're called clockers. That's that's the that's the codifier. But 
Oh, I thought they were clocking in, like clocking in for work. No, oh, it's okay. not that they're clocking in for work. It's that they're working around the clock. I've read, the, I've read my shit up. I know my things. I know my slang. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going I, off the movie. I am the whitest kid in this call right now, but <laughs> I do know my shit. So they they get they show off this drug scene, and this drugs like drug deal is immediately followed by like three undercover cops pulling up super fast. They walk in, they're patting everyone down. They are stripping Mackay Pfeiffer butt-ass naked. Strike is just butt-ass naked in the middle of this fucking, like, the, the, the fucking in, project in, in lot. Fairness, in fairness, the lookout did his job because it, I didn't want him to look incompetent. He, he can't prevent the cops from showing up, but he did give everyone the heads up. But honestly, they were already in position yeah. And no one had, they didn't, see, see, someone had the money, someone had the drugs, but no, those two people didn't have both. And that's the the issue. If you want to charge them for like conspiracy to distribute. And pers personally, the person who had the drugs was like in the, the apartment building. He wasn't even down there. Like in yeah. the lot, I think he had to throw it through a fucking window. He, right? wasn't, he wasn't even in the gimmick. So like yeah no we could we could go scene by scene but like we'll be here all day so I just want to like right sorry about this. that but, but what I wanted to say about that scene was bringing it back to the overalls yeah. I think the overalls aside from a 90 staple fashion statement <laughs> I think it was strategic because this is clearly something he, that happens every day because he complains like in the end like I can't do this shit no more I'm getting tired of this shit. Because, you know, he, he, they uh, do this, they strip, they apparently strip search him. They, like, like check his, like, anal cavity, his, his balls and all that, that shit to see if he's tucking in some, like, some baggies or some shit. Or, yeah. if it's in its, or if it's under his tongue, they did all that shit. It's very invasive, very demeaning. It, 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 border, it borderlines on a, on, on a solid, it borderlines on a breach of uh, personal space. It's just very, like, again, like, I'm... I'm not trying to come in here like fuck the police, but like they're like it was it was very invasive and unnecessary. Like you're really gonna strip, you're gonna anal cavity search a nigga in front of his mama. No, his no. mom was literally like two his, floors up his watching mama all this is through watching. the window. Yes, his mama mm. is indeed watching. Yeah, very uncomfortable, bro. Like, I, like look, look, honestly, just in any cop or not, badge or not, you 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 try to stick your fingers up my ass in public. Like like and, and like checking my balls and shit. I gotta I gotta fight you, bro. No, I got. I'm you. going down. On, I'm going down for that assault charge. You can't even because first of all, this nigga puts his fingers in my ass and then he's telling me to open my mouth and he didn't fucking wash his hands. Excuse me, bro. What the fuck? That's some other shit. I I don't know what those cops are on. Probably on cocaine that they stole from another drug dealer is the realistic answer. But hey. Yeah, yeah. and they they never they never found the drugs because you know obviously. Oh, because they smart. don't. Yeah, because no one's carrying. Because they're, they're geniuses, but like... Right, oh, right, uh, the overalls. Well, I was going to say about the overalls, I thought it was strategic because he's like, you know what, this happens every day. I'm tired of them fucking up my clothes. I'm tired of them just, like, it's uncomfortable, honestly. I'd rather they just pull down my overalls, pull down my drawers. It's, like, quick in and out. Unfortunately, Scientific had, because he was balling out, he had his chain on, he had, like... They, his, they took his, money his from him, yeah. The, he had a shirt with the shirt underneath the shirt. He had the... He had the do-rag on. They took all that shit off, man. Yeah. They completely mm -hmm. stripped him. He was just, like, completely demasculated. I, I think Strike was smart. It, what, what that scene illustrated was that Spike is that Strike is not only smart, he's a leader. He's, um, you, you know, he's, he's been he's, through this he's before. He's been around the block with this, but, like, he's also, like, he's just fucking fed up. He's also just, like, I guess Strike is also kind of a man-child. 
is the way that like Spike kind of portrays him in the film because the whole thing like he's supposed to be in his late twenties or like his mid twenties or early twenties, but he's like chugging chocolate milk. He doesn't drink hard liquor and right. he, like when he's not drug dealing, he's collecting model trains, which implies that like he's sort of emotionally stunted at like being a like a, a child, being a kid, even though like well, he for was someone groomed into this. Yeah, I was gonna say for someone yeah. that was groomed to be a uh, a crack dealer, he is not very gangster, is he? Oh, he's not gangster at all. He's I, like fucking. I, okay, well, I disagree. <laughs> it depends on how you define gangster stereotypically. I think he's gangster because he, he's he put first of all. He put all his dummy stats in the wisdom, right? <laughs> instead of instead of uh, intelligence, he doesn't know who Rosa Parks is, but he knows how to not get caught during a drug deal. Mm-hmm. He knows how to hide a, a gap underneath a newspaper. He knows his shit essentially, and he he keeps his wits about him. Yeah, he doesn't like sport chains and and all this shit, but he he spends his money on personal shit, which is honestly kind of smart because you know you don't want to be flaunting shit that you can get mugged and st- stolen from, right? Yeah. So he, like he has his own apartment, he's got like his model trains, he's got like VR video games and shit because you know he's a man child, but like he you know he he he's running a shit. No one else in the block who can afford that shit. Yeah, um, no. yeah, because they're all they're all wasting the other, their money. Yeah, and the other reason I think he he's He's hard is because, um, oh man, I, I went on a ramp and my brain just like completely turned off. Uh, Eric, say it again. Say, say he's not hard and then I'll say he's not. <laughs> he's, he's not. He like he drinks chocolate milk all day and then fucking all right. All right there you go. There you go. Toy trains. Well, it, Look, he could be a, he could be a, a stupid nigga or, or a smart nigga. Look, look, it, it'd be real stupid. Like, like chugging forties on the outside is some ignorant shit. He should be drinking on the job first of all. He's getting his vitamin D. Right? <laughs> Say what you will. He's getting his vitamin D from Nesquik or Yuhu. I don't think. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Chocolate Moo. Yeah, yeah, chocolate, chocolate movie. Let's not of yeah. We can't say brand names. We can't say we can't, don't afford. We don't want to say Nesquik because then they'll yeah. sue. <laughs> especially, yeah. especially because the moo apparently like made him vomit up blood because of lactose intolerance. Well, that's the thing that well, no, he that's had a stomach the, ulcer. Well, yeah, yeah. So what I was gonna say is, so there's been a lot of like debate and just a lot of stuff online that's very inconclusive as to like why he likes the chocolate milk <laughs> you actually looked up why he liked the chocolate milk. So, yeah so for those who yeah so he so for people who don't know like the main character chugs chocolate milk like it's going out of style and it's sort of unclear if he has like an ulcer or not or if it's just that he consumes so much chocolate milk that his intestines are melting, but like he, he's he's like coughing up blood and like dying, but he keeps chugging this fucking chocolate milk like it's nothing. And apparently, Eric, you found out that there might be a correlation with this somehow. Oh man! So just uh, just for reference, I, I to go off of what how Liam's introduction to his chocolate milk. Um, addiction. Um, on IMDb, this is uh, one of the first lines of their uh, plot synopsis. Strike is a young city dr- drug pusher under the tutelage of drug lord Rodney Little, 
who when not playing with model trains or drinking moo for his ulcer. Right. So it's so the exact wording is drinking moo for his ulcer. Meaning maybe, maybe the scene got cut, but like I I rewatch clips of movies I like a lot. So I know mm -hmm. on uh on YouTube there's a clip where he's in the hospital. I, mm -hmm. I think the move the cut we saw, he just gets put in the ambulance, but like right after that he's in the hospital. His mom's there, his, his sister-in-law's there, and they say he has a stomach ulcer. Because hmm. I think the EMT assumed he was like, oh, you do crack, you, you smoke on that crack, blah, blah, blah. But he has like a stomach ulcer, so the reason he's drinking the milk instead of hard liquor is because the milk goes down easier on his on his stomach. Yeah. What well, I was going to say is that also, um, so I was going to mention that I did find on WebMD, which, you know, it's always reliable, but... <laughs> uh, on WebMD and on ClevelandClinic.org, uh, it says that milk. It says, "Will milk help an, an ulcer?" No, milk may temporarily soothe ulcer pain because it coats the stomach lining, huh. but it also makes it produce more acid and digestive juices, which can make ulcers worse. Which as, is what as happened. we displayed in this movie. <laughs> yes. The more the more milk he drank, the better he felt, but the worse he got. Yeah, he he was he was self medicating on milk and um on chocolate milk specifically mm. on chocolate milk and well that's uh, that's another thing um in the book yeah in the book his favorite milk it wasn't chocolate milk originally in the book it was actually vanilla yoohoo. Oh. <laughs> Ew. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> that is heinous. I'm sure Spike changes the chocolate, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the... get that vanilla shit out of here. He's only drinking <laughs> chocolate moo. Yeah, I... yeah, yeah. But but uh, but honestly, what what Liam was talking about with uh like his stunted growth, like he's a man child. He didn't really like get to grow up, become a man. Uh, it... In movies, symbolically, when a main character, any character, villain, main character, whatever, dr that drinks milk instead of water or instead of like alcohol, essentially, it usually symbolizes that they're a baby. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. like it's it's considered like creepy or unmanly or like weak. weird the to drink milk like as an adult. Yeah. But yeah, so so strikes our pro tag, and he works for Rodney Little, who in this film is played by uh, Delroy Lindo, who is kind of a prolific actor. He just he was just in *The Five Bloods*, which I think was a movie off of Netflix, which I heard is fucking amazing. But he plays Rodney Little. Rodney Little, fun fact, originally was supposed to be played by Samuel Jackson, but he had to turn down oh. the role, which would have been lit. Cause I think, Samuel Jackson grooming a kid, that would have been something. Well, I think like yeah. Samuel Jackson would have had like that hard evil edge, because I feel as though yeah. Delroy in this movie, playing Rodney Little, he gets the fatherly grooming thing right but he yeah. doesn't really get the hard blood like cold well blood you know who killer. you know who he reminded me of and uh this is i don't know if he played the game or not but he reminds me of dutch from red dead redemption 2 that's oh jesus christ <laughs> let's go ahead tell me i'm wrong go ahead no, I mean, like, he comes off as, like, oh, my God, I'm trying to think of who would be a good comparison, because the only thing that comes to mind is probably, like, the the Aryan Brotherhood guy from American History X, but, like, 
it's definitely it's definitely like he plays more of a father figure than a drug dealer which R- right. just, he, they he, just he, need to have some goddamn faith yeah he's definitely grooming these kids <laughs> but like he he plays it like um <laughs> he play, he plays it like uh like 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 he actually cares. Okay, I got Denzel in Training Day when he was grooming Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I think it's a good. Yeah, like, that's a lot of that. Like, like how he's like, look, look, man. I know, I know the, I know it's hard. I know the the system isn't fair, you know. But you know, to change the system, you got to change it from the inside, son. It's the only way I can feel it. I used to be just like you, man. I was innocent, night. night. Uh-huh. Eve, I wasn't for that shit. You know, you know, just straight up grooming. So I think he's like you want to believe him. He says some shit like he had a dream that (laughs) all his sons, his his actual kids, and the the kids he he groomed into into this like gang or whatever, this pyramid scheme. He he's like they're all laid out from like soldiers. And God came, and God said, "Strike that one there is going to lead you to the top, to the mountain top." He's pointing at you, son. That was God. He says, you were the only one I could trust, son. You're like a son to me. You know that. He's like grooming him, really grooming him. Mm, and yeah, and Strike, you know, because he's ignorant, he, he, you know, he's falling for it. But the same, the whole time, he's kind of like in the back of his mind, like, man, this bullshit. The same old bullshit. Like, well, he, he doesn't want to hear it. Well, that was the speech that he was giving while they were driving over to Ahoy's, which is like the mm-hmm. most... Like it's a I'm a, what is it supposed to be like Long John Silver's but like a fast food Cap- joint version of Long John Silver's yeah Captain Ahab's that's what it was yeah called. Captain Ahab's yeah they, had a, a they spent a whale. lot of money on that giant whale sign <laughs> that was blew weird. out the actual steam dude yeah. do you think it does what Burger King does and like releases the odor into the surrounding area oh, that'd be oh crazy. I, I just, <laughs> You know what? That that's a good. It probably does, bro. I bet that shit tastes like shit, but it smells good. But like they they pull up to this parking lot, and Rodney is talking to Strike, and he's basically setting Strike up to do a hit job on this kid Daryl Adams, who kind of becomes the plot crux of the film, where Strike is told by Rodney to kill Daryl Adams because Daryl Adams won't let him clock at the parking lot. And so he's no, like, no, 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 no. He was already in the shit. Apparently, or he, he, was, he was in the in shit it. and he was sus- robbing. Yeah, he right. was suspecting. He was suspecting. So he's a. If we're talking about the pyramid, what's his name again? Say his name, Daryl Adams. Adams. Daryl Adams is a tier above Strike in the pyramid. Yeah. And so what had happened was he's because because Strike keeps on complaining. He's like, man, I'm tired of this shit. I keep getting strip searched by these cops and the benches. When am I gonna move up in the world? Blah 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 blah. And he says, "Look, you want you want to go up in the world? You gotta kill Daryl." And first of all, the only reason he says that shit is because he suspects Daryl of stealing, from skimming him. some yeah. on the side. Yeah. So he's like, "Look, you have my blessing to get rid of Daryl." And then once Daryl's out of the picture, you're gonna be the you're gonna get a job at Ahab's. And you're gonna be the dude clocking at Ahab's, and you're gonna get a bigger cut of of the the mound, and then maybe scientific or whoever at the bottom can become the next nigga the at next the bench. Bo- bench guy, yeah. Honestly, none of those niggas are cut out for that shit. To oh, be oh hell no! But... They were they were all set up like this is gonna be the constant loop that they were all gonna end up becoming Daryl Adams at some point in time. So or dead, yeah, well, most likely dead. Well, that's what I mean by Daryl Adams because he ends <laughs> up dying. We'll get to that. 
But so Strike gets out of the car. He goes over across the street to the bar because his nerves just don't exist anymore. And he goes into the bar. He asks for some moo. The bartender looks at him like he's mentally challenged. He pushes <laughs> him over and he ends up at the end of the bar where he runs into his brother, Victor, played by Isaiah Washington who's kind of like a, he was kind of a decent actor from time to time. He had a spot on Grey's Anatomy for a minute. That was sort of the, like, that was the biggest spot he was at at some point. And then uh -huh. he got fired from, Ooh. yeah, it was kind of like an early Me Too thing. But basically it was sort of, he was kind of a dick on set and no one wanted to work with him. So they fired his uh -oh. ass. Is my understanding of the story, I, I could be wrong, but... They were like, yeah, he this plays, guy's an elite. He guy. plays the, uh, in the movie, he's like the Sydney Poitier nigga. He's like, he's, he's, he's... His biggest flaw is that he's too nice. <laughs> he's too much People of a People kind of walk dude. over him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's too, he's too nice. He's also the, the better brother, according to the mom. We find out later the mom prefers him despite was he the older one or the younger? He's the older one. one. He's the older one. Yeah, he's the older one. He he was propped up to be the best. He's the prodigy. He is the wife and the two kids, literally. You know, he's he's working the two jobs in the inner city. He he's not drug he's not a drug dealer, he's not a criminal, you know, he's not a rapper. He he's, you know, up and coming, well to do. You know, he has a high he has like like kind of like all this pressure the societal pressure to be the one who gets out of the hood, essentially. Oh, yeah. He complains. He, he does um, but, the hustle. Before, he does the, the working man grind. If yeah, you know. but before the bar, uh, I didn't want to interrupt you, but this, the, before, because, uh, you know, strikes out, oh, why I got to do all this shit? He complain. He, he's really a child, because, like, he complains a lot. He's like, why do I got to do it? I don't want to do it. Can someone else do it? And he's like, can El, El, Errol, Errol do it? And Errol, who's the glue to this movie, by the way, mm -hmm. the character, what's his, Rodney, Rodney the boss tells Strike, Errol can't do it because Errol got that A-train, <laughs> which is playing for that. He got full-blown AIDS, apparently. And we'll uh, get to Errol later. But, we're going to um, get to Errol very shortly. But, like, <laughs> God, I totally forgot about the A-Train line. God. Yeah, the a, he's on the A-Train. And they he's were, like, joking, joking about, about how, he, how he got AIDS and shit, which was, you know, early 90s, very stigmatized. Very, you know, very homophobic like, lines. Like, right. This, this, isn't, this isn't, very like, very long after the Reagan administration, the AIDS crisis and all that shit uh, affecting the urban community, you know, because of needle crossing and all that shit and the oh, heroin yeah. academic. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a thing. Unfortunately, people who had it couldn't get treatment and they weren't and they were kind of lepers, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but back to the bar uh, strikes at the bar. He got uh, the bartender was nice enough to get him like this milk. R rum and milk like thing rum and milks. yeah basically a white russian yeah yeah i'm a white russian i was like oh that's weird i've never heard of milk with <laughs> alcohol before and then <laughs> it was clearly upsetting his stomach but um he was like, his oh. brothers on the end uh, i'll let you finish the scene no they were so they're starting to talk and and strike brings up the fact that he's trying to basically pressure his brother into committing this hit and he's like yeah that daryl adams man like he's a you know he had a, you know he was fucking fucking the workers there you know he was trying to fuck these underage girls that were trying to get a get a job there and victor's like yeah and he also deals drugs doesn't he strike mm -hmm. i know you're bullshit wait, wait, wait. strike <laughs> 
I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but like you, you interpreted it as he's pushing his brother to kill the the dude. That's no, no. not how I interpreted dude, it. Dude, yeah, at no, all. the whole time he was trying to push Victor into like, yo, could you do this yeah. for me? Because I don't want to do this. And Victor's I like, I, I, I got to disagree. He ends the fucking scene by saying, I know a man. And he's like, what do you mean? No, Who's no, the man? Uh, the I, disagree. Man, I, I disagree. know a man. All right. So first of all, Stripe, Stripe's walking around with, with his gat under the newspaper. Oh, honestly. Well, like, yeah, he's blatant as fuck about it. Right, right, right. And But like, he's about to walk over to Ahab's. He can't do it. I, I forget whether he, he goes to the dude or not. But I think he 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 goes to the he can't work up the nerve essentially, so he goes to get a drink. And I think what the way I interpreted it wasn't that he was saying, "Yo, you gotta get this dude for me," like p- passing the buck. I viewed it as he was trying to psych himself into it and get his brother's approval. That's how I viewed it. He was like, "Yo, he's a, yo, he's a woman beater. He's a child molester. This this and this and that. He's a bad dude. So someone's gotta get him, right? Someone's gotta do it." Right? Yeah. Because because he... strike isn't because 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 Rodney set it up as like yo this is a golden opportunity two birds with one stone you'll get promoted in the chain of command and I can get rid of this dude who's skimming money off of but but strike doesn't necessarily want to do either he doesn't want to kill this dude mm-hmm. like he, he he doesn't like have a vendetta against him he doesn't hate like him or anything like he doesn't hate he doesn't want to kill him yeah he doesn't essentially. Yes. It, it, yeah, it's it's kind of. I think it's introduced later that Strikes never killed somebody. He's always toted around that he has a gat and that he's hard, but he's never killed a man before. And so the way I viewed that scene wasn't that he was like, "Yo, yo, yo, can you do this instead of me?" I viewed it as, "Yo, yo someone's got to do it, right? Someone's got to do it." And then because Ronnie's going through some shit, uh, we we find out later that uh, spoiler Rodney ends up shooting Daryl for him, uh, is we is is because he says some shit like yo he's a bad dude right he's a woman beater right and he yeah. sells drugs to the community and you know and, and you know he's kind of joshing on strike because strike sells drugs to the community he's like what's the difference between him and you bro but at the same time he's like yo i got it my mans will do it and he's like my mans what are you, t- what are you talking about who he, he's just like a friend of a friend will do it you know, because he doesn't want to implicate Strike in the dude he's going to do the the hit for him. But ultimately, he's talking about himself. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Strike's pressuring Victor into doing it for him. No, no I don't. Th- no, I, I think, think he's doing. No, dude, think... that's the whole thing. He's trying to be like, yeah, Victor. Like this guy's a piece of shit. You should probably no, do I something about bro. it. I and Victor's like, around. I think Victor was pushing him. Like, yo, I'll do it, bro. I'll do it, and because because Strike got uncomfortable when he was saying that shit when he was bringing up the mind. No, because yeah, because Victor like, was getting visibly annoyed at him because no, no, like, he what? No, no, because Strike was like, no, 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 hold up. Strike oh, was like, God. Strike was straight up like, like, whoa. We're still on the first act. Me? It's almost an hour. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, but he's like, yo, what are you talking about? You know a guy. I, I don't like you talking like this, bro. Like, that's not you, bro. You're not in the streets. And then he's just like, yo, yo, my mans will do it, bro. And he's putting his arm around his shoulder and Strike's like. Nah, man, nah, nah. Yo, how are your kids? How's your wife doing? And all that, that, that shit. He's trying to change the subject. Like he doesn't feel comfortable with the idea of his brother knowing a guy or doing it for him. And like he, he leaves. I think he feels the... bad. I think he feels bad because he realizes mm. the he realizes what he just did, and he's like, no, 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 forget about it, man. Forget about it. Don't. I'll take care of it. I'll. It's fine. I'll do it. Because like. 
he's he he wanted to force it so that his hands didn't get dirty because he's like I don't want to do this shit. But he also like now realizing oh fuck my my brother actually might do this. Fuck never mind. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got it. I got it. I got it. And so that's at least my interpretation. So they. Go I don't over. think he. Con- I don't think he consciously did it. We both agree that the brother kind of felt groomed to do it, but I don't yeah. think he consciously did it. I think he did it unconsciously because he's a baby. And he yeah. likes to whine about chores that he has to do, yeah, sensibly. And I, I think the older brother was like, "Fuck it, I'll do it," because you're being a little bitch. You're being a I bitch think, about I think, I think he, it, yeah. I don't think he did it consciously. I think he did it unconsciously. Yeah. Well, he was being like protective. He was being a big brother. Oh, man. So yeah. So right, but he's supposed to be above all that shit. Yeah, but you know. So strike leaves. He heads over to Dale, Daryl Adams. He's ready to do the hit. Out comes Daryl Adams who basically has please shoot me in the face charisma like written on his forehead. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> he had a gold chain like literally on his heart and I was, he is literally in like, the shape on, of a gun. gun in the chain. shape of a gun, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was just like like, like we're clothes, nigga. He's like, "What are you doing here? We ain't got no bitch old Pepdol Bismol, nigga, bitch." <laughs> You don't get that chocolate mousse. He's basically demasculating Strike, calling him a little bitch and all this shit. He's practically begging to get shot, bro. Yeah, he's and like Strike's calling him a bitch, doing like pow, pow with his necklace. He's doing like pow, pow with his necklace and shit like a fucking, like an absolute imbecile. This guy's an it was absolute like a, imbecile. It was like a video game scene, to be honest. Like You know when you're prompted to kill somebody? And you have no choice in the matter, but like if you hesitate, the character just keeps talking. <laughs> yeah, it's like the giant, the button is like flashing in your face. Press A, press A, press A, but you're just like not. Nah. It's just them going, well, well, get it over with. What you doing, <laughs> bitch? Right. Bang, so, bang. so, so we, so we don't see Daryl get got, but we see the aftermath, the crime scene photos. Yeah, and, and this, and, and this uh, brings us to. I know they showed up earlier on, but this is like where they become sort of a bigger name, and that would be the characters of Rocco Klein and Larry Mazzilla, who are played respectively by uh, Harvey Keitel and John Turturro, uh, and holy God. I'm oh. glad Spike got this script because, like, the mm. fact that, like, yeah, the drug dealers are are kind of scummy in this, but holy God, are the police <laughs> not presented in a good light here? Gucci, <laughs> what you got? You got a black male dead man, Daryl Adams, 22 years old, is the night manager of this joint. Plays like this. Kid's standing by the door, he's having a conversation with another male. Pop, 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 and he pop, Daryl goes yeah. down, shooter does a Carl Lewis. Neighborhood says there's four shots fired. At this point, that's all she wrote. Robbery? Nah, way too fast. Drugs? Was he a scumbag? I'll tell you the truth, I've never seen this kid before. Boys, Daryl Adams, Daryl Adams, the boys. Hey, Daryl. Hello in there. Live by the gun, die by the gun. You kid have brains. Good thing he was wearing his gold, huh? Mm. Bing, 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 ricochet rabbit. I still think it was the food here. Al, get in there, tell me what you got. There she blows. Let's see. No powder burns on the face. These eyes of lies. Stippling on the eyes. Looking about uh, 30, 35 years old. one and two. Okay, let's see. Nothing up the sleeve. It might get better, but he ain't never getting well. 
and presto. Hey, slapped them five. On the light hand side. <laughs> hey, look at that. Looks like some kind of Egyptian peace sign. All right, yeah. Says, says goodbye. Who's the same? And Mo. Check over here. My main man, then he brought a prince off that Fuck door there. You, Rocco. Ooh. Yeah, that'll really narrow it down. What a sweetheart. We'll get half the yo's in Brooklyn off this door. What'd you eat, an Ahab's burger? <laughs> yeah. You owe me six more. I love my job, too. That has got more prints than my ex-wife. Socks. <laughs> wearing any? Give me one second, all right? Must be his golf jacket. He's got 18 holes. Oh, oh Christ. Come on, come on, wherever you are. The monkey's on the trolley car. Looks like they already did come out. Here's one, two, two exits. Those are good bunch of All I'm gonna say is I'm glad, glad that the uh, detectives on the scene uh, treated the murder victim with the amount of respect and dignity that they did. <laughs> <laughs> Where, oh, you, you mean when they got up and had a roasting session over a dead body for like five minutes? While like yeah, the they made fun of the corpse. Yeah, while the neighborhood is just watching behind them, they're just they like, literally flipped over his corpse and were like, "Oh, he pooped his pants." Oh, what a <laughs> oh, stinky! Stinky, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were probably making fun. Of they said, "Oh, another stain on the sidewalk." Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's that's the no. line right there. Yeah, another stain on the oh, sidewalk, and then someone was like, I think they find like one of the bullets ricocheted or something into his teeth. They said, oh, he caught the bullet with his teeth, but we got David Blaine over here. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. like, the onlookers, the black people onlooking, who, who uh, also one of them was self-inserted character Spike Lee, which was great. I didn't realize he was in the movie. Um they were all looking like, man, what are they? Why are they doing him like that? Why are they disrespecting him? That's fucked up. Oh my uh, gosh! And they're like just and like the coroner's like pulling up the bullet the bullet holes and, and shit, right? Like he's technically doing his job, but he's doing it in a very like disrespectful way, not the NCIS way. Yeah, he's the polite <laughs> British guy, and he's just like, oh, unfortunately, he, he a bullet <laughs> entered his sternum and he died. No, they're like, oh man, look at this dude, look at <laughs> this got, guy, look at this nigga on the street. The 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 coroner is fucking Carlo from The Sopranos with a clipboard, just like, yeah, you see the bullet hole over there? It was bang, 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 four shots, <laughs> laid down dead. That's the rest of the story. This fucking yo's nothing. <laughs> They're like oh, just, the yo, the yo. The yo, which oh. I didn't even know was a racial yeah, slur right. until this movie. <laughs> so, the yo, they called him a Nubian. Uh, dude, if I could... Oh, the Nubians, that's my favorite Holy one. Holy God, if I, could, if I could find the clip, I'm going to just like fade it in here and just cut it in because... Holy God! Is it the? It boat? was it was a brutal roast, and the dude couldn't even oh. fight back because he was dead. He was bro. dead. Was <laughs> but like Spike Lee, thank God he took control of this script because Spike oh, was just yeah. like, yeah, no, we're not gonna have this heroic cop shit. Fuck you. Let's portray the cops as they are, the scummy racist pricks that they are. Because holy God, the cops in this movie are the biggest dump scumbags on the face of the planet. They are. They like they're doing their job and they're cleaning up the streets, quote unquote. But Jesus Christ, the amount like, of racism. Not to not to spoil not to spoil the ending or anything like that, but kind of like in tandem with that. Is that like in the end, it's not that the police come and save the day, it's just more so that the cops were somewhat involved in the success at the end. 
They you know just, what I mean? They, like they were very disillusioned. Like they're very like, like, eh, you know, they barely pay me enough to do this job anyway. Why yeah. should I put in the effort kind of attitude? Like you can tell that they were just like they're like, oh, you know, all we've been doing for the past two weeks is just like sticking up random alleged crack dealers. You know, this is at least this is at least kind of exciting. Yeah, for real. It's not even yeah, whatever. It's fine. And I you know, like, you know the only cop with like somewhat Moral fiber is a uh, Keith uh, David. Is Keith David? No, no, no. no. Who will well, get no, it? Is Keith he's David corrupt too? He's corrupt too. But I was gonna say the <laughs> one Italian cop who has like somewhat integrity was the what's his name? I'm sorry, the dude from uh, he's in all Chris. the Scorsese movies. He was in a he was the pimp and, and taxi driver. Who? Oh, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, Harvey. Yeah, Keitel. Harvey Keitel, the, the, the lead guy, Rocco Klein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, Rocco. He's presented as the only, despite him being like just as racist as the other cops, he's presented the only one with morals because he he's like, oh, you know, what's his name? Uh, oh, I guess I'm jumping ahead. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to get to it, but like, you're right. He's the only one who cares about the quote unquote, the right person being punished. He's that's he's just only, one. Yeah, he only yeah. gives a shit about like getting the right guy because he's he's sort of a moral cop. And honestly, Watching Harvey Keitel perform this, I I am so goddamn happy Martin Scorsese left this project. Cause like Martin Martin Scorsese wanted Robert De Niro to play Rocco Klein. He wanted Rocco Klein to be the main protagonist. He basically wanted to do a generic police procedural without it being like anywhere near realistic. And Spike said, nah, fuck that shit. And shifted the the perspective, which I think changed the entire film, but in the best possible light. No, yeah. So like, yeah, you can't do you can't do a Miami Vice eighties cop movie about about the inner city drug thing. There's usually usually in those in those cop procedurals, they'll have an inner city thing in the beginning, and and then they'll be like, like, don't you know you're you're peddling drugs for your own people? And the guy will go in the the bars, and that'll be the end of that. And that's the commentary on like the the game and and the inner city from the cops' mm. perspective. Oh yeah, it's gonna be yeah. That's that's ostensibly it. There's no no realism, no nothing. It's just a lot of shit, just a lot of fucking horse shit. But oh, I... also, and uh, before we, we go, like when you said that the oh, let's talk about how the cops really were, because I know people are gonna be like, hey, no, all cops are bad. Uh, this is the early '90s. <laughs> this is yeah. black on black crime in Brooklyn. Inner city cops really didn't give a shit about rapport. They don't, especially oh, in urban areas. This is so, this is like mm. I, like even if you go outside like the the racist factor, which is a huge proponent here. Like you're talking about guys who straight up watch at least seven to eight murders a day minimum. So these guys yeah. are just they are they. Also, this is all, this is also fight. after um this is also this also would have been I think after like Clinton had uh signed the bill and his like famous tagline was like. Was it a million more cops? I think it was. I think I don't even remember. This something is... ridiculous. He was like, "Oh, we want a million more cops," and it's just like when you oversaturate something, like yeah, you're gonna get as they as the news likes to call them bad apples. 
And, and once the bad apples become basically the entire department, are there really any bad apples? It's yeah. Like, yeah, is, which is what this movie is, because holy God. What, what, year, what year was the Rodney King? Thing? Oh, this was, yeah, this was also like two years or two or three years after Rodney King. Yeah. yeah. So this is, yeah, this is definitely, real shit. Definitely historically accurate, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, Spike is biased. Nah, you fucking, know. no, this is real shit. This is real shit. So right. they have they they do this autopsy scene, which is like gallows humor, r- racistly hysterical. They go off, and a few days go by. Things are doing things. Strike runs into and starts talking to this kid Tyrone, who's one of the block kids around. He's just a young kid, and he kind of puts him under his wing as a protege. The issue is his mama wants nothing to do with the bench crew. And the person that his mama's sleeping with turns out to be none other than our boy Andre the Giant, also known as Keith Motherfucking David. Now yeah, Keith Motherfucking David. Oh my god, he was so fucking intimidating in this movie. <laughs> like oh, he was a cop, shit. but like he was also corrupt. To, he was corrupt in a different way. He was corrupt he was cor- to try to do good for the community. Oh my god, look, he he. Oh my god. He was blackmailing drug dealers into taking a cut of their profits to p- put that money into urban community centers. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like, dude, like, I'm going to be a good cop, but he's like as dirty and corrupt as all the others, but only for like the, the, the poor and the stricken, which sort of like gets this like conflicting. Do you consider him a good cop? Should we consider him a good cop? Is he a good guy? Is he not? He's a good, a good guy? cop. If he's your friend, yeah, if you work at a community center, he's an amazing cop. Yeah. Or, or if you're a single mom trying to make ends meet for your kid, he's your he's your friend. But if you're a drug dealer or a gangster, would be gangster or whatever, he treats you like shit, like all the other Italian cops. Of course, yeah, yeah. The other Italian cops who are just all it's it, it's weird. He has this weird like utilitarian view of like the inner city, where it's like there's the good ones, quote unquote, and the bad ones, and I can save all the good ones, and I'm gonna. I'm going to step on all the bad ones to make them work indirectly for the good ones. Yeah. Like he, like he, he, he doesn't like, like, whereas like the really racist cops kind of view all this to be the same. He sees the power dynamic and like the, 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 it's weird. Like he kind of views certain, like, like if you get straight aids in school, you're a good kid and therefore he's going to protect you. If you, you get like a couple D's or some shit and you cut class and like you have truancy and you hang out with drug dealers, you know, he treats you like shit. Yeah, he's going to lecture you until you decide to be a good person. And then once you get of age, he just wants to exterminate you like a cockroach. And it's like you have that perspective or you have the cops at the end of the movie who straight up are walking away from the plaza saying, yeah, they should just nuke this entire fucking project. Fuck all of these people. They're all scum. Right, right. right. Keith, Keith sees the diamonds in the rough. But unfortunately, he's a little jaded, too, where the ones who, quote-unquote, couldn't have been saved, he doesn't think they can be redeemed. Yeah, he's just like, you're lost forever, which is right. which also pretty real. But, like, Keith David is terrifying in this movie. Fucking oh, terrifying. my God. I, I've said, I said it throughout when we were watching it. 
Yo, I could I could definitely beat the shit out of Denzel from Training Day. <laughs> Pete David. Oh my god, he was so scary in this fucking movie. We'll get, like, we'll... the, the, the eventual ass woman comes, but when that girl, the, the mom of the, the, the little kid, who's like, stay away from my kid. Stop trying to be his daddy. I will not let him be a drug dealer. You hear me? I will not. I'm going to get Andre. I'm going to get Andre. <laughs> and then when Keith David will walk in, I was like, oh, my God. Oh. No. Oh, no, not Andre. Oh, yo, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go, Andre. I, I was more scared of Keith David's character than I was of Rodney Little's character. Yeah. Mm. Although, although I will say there may be one person that is scarier than, than Andre, and I totally oh, forgot Errol. this. We're getting a fucking Errol, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yes. So right, of the film. so right before we get to, like, the next day where S- Strike is hanging out in the park and we run into Keith David, he has to go over to Rodney's place, and you get two of the best scenes in the movie for me. You get the introduction of Dar- of Errol, and you get the introduction, and you get, like, the barbershop scene. So, uh, <laughs> so, Liam, so please, please, up. Liam, please splice in the oh, air. Well, all I find, all I keep. Don't be looking at me in the eye, nigga. Hell, your ass will be on this mural, too. Hell, I know that look. See, you wondering how I got that age. Nah, man. You a lying motherfucker. What from fucking with them punks? I ain't no homosexual. Come on, man. I ain't say all that, all right? Fucking with this shit. I can't believe I got this shit. All this time in these motherfucking streets. And I'm a smart motherfucker. No, I should have left that shit alone. One time I was studying to be an accountant. Now this shit is fucking my body up, man. A goddamn death sentence. That's why I don't give a shit about nobody. And I don't want to see your ass no more. Because you ain't got no business out here fucking with this shit. Hell, you end up like me. You're worse. My old man was a preacher. And when I started messing with this shit, he said, you gonna pay for that. You gonna pay for that shit, boy. He was right. You can't cheat this shit. No. So I need to find that clip. I'm going oh to find God. that clip. I wonder cause... how I got that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> they walk up. Strike walks up to oh Errol, who's gooning like a motherfucker in the street. Oh, my God. Errol is so... <laughs> he's like he's like the, literally the... What's that dude from, from Sesame Street? The Grinch? Not oh, the Grinch. Oscar, Oscar the, the Grouch. Grouch? Oscar the Grouch of the urban community. And he <laughs> comes out of the shadows to rob Strike. Mind you, stri- mind you, he's already in the gang. But the problem is he's <laughs> dying of AIDS. So he, he's not really... It's weird because like, he's in this weird position where he's grandfathered in. So he has money. But he's dying of AIDS. So he, he's 
like he's essentially homeless. It's weird. He's like this homeless drug pusher who was grandfathered in but isn't going anywhere in life financially because he's dying of AIDS. I was going to say, like, for, for people listening, if you, if you want, like, a good depiction of Errol without, like, seeing him, if you've ever walked down, like, a, a city street and had someone ask you for money, <laughs> he probably looks like them. No, like, he was if you walk down like, and he's the homeless guy, you think, like, like you're pretty confident that, like, if you give him money, he's going to do drugs. Yeah. He's the he's the guy that you he confronts but, you in New Brunswick for $5 to pay for his kids dude. fucking groceries. But you're way too Yeah, he's scared. he's he's you're one of the way, homeless he's you don't one want of the to make eye contact and you're yeah, way yeah. too scared. He's, he's a homeless he's one of the homeless dudes that like sits right outside of Penn Station just jittering like, "Yo, I need the bus, my man." <laughs> That's yeah. him. Also, That's him. Do if you look at him wrong for like like a glance, he'll be like, "What are you looking at? <laughs> what are you looking at?" Well, like, he always so seems fucking... cracked out, even though his drug of choice is heroin. It's really weird. <laughs> Dude, the, the the actor did a really good job. Yeah, yeah. Tom Tom Birds. Yeah, Tom Birds. Appar- yeah. Isn't that his first and last role? Yeah. I read somewhere that apparently he was the nicest person. No, 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 no. But no. He, he actually had more like, roles after that. Oh, I heard he died, like, very uh, young, apparently. Dude, like he was in the something. last OG last year. Oh, wow. <laughs> he's getting roles, wait, man. Wait, he's alive? Yeah, he's alive. Oh, then what the fuck? I heard he died. It was on some YouTube comment on the clip I was watching. Uh, don't trust YouTube comments, man. Yeah. Never fucking they must have confused They might have confused him with someone. You know what? You can, you, can, actually, you, can actually... tr- you, you can trust Reddit, but not right. YouTube All right. comments. So I actually did read this. He has passed away last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, he passed away. But he, but he didn't die like right after the movie. So he, okay, I might have that might have been on me misinterpreting because I haven't seen him in a lot of movies. Oh yeah, well no, he's like a Spike Lee regular. It looks like like he was in. No, he he really played the 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 like cracked out homeless dude who's mm. dying of full blown AIDS. He plays like the most. Who... Ter- he's like if if Omar had like a debilitating heroin addiction. <laughs> He's fucking terrifying. It just... It's weird because he was Arrow was literally at the bottom of the food chain, but he was honestly the glue that held everything to fucking together. It's oh, weird. He's, he's... He has like a high rank in the pyramids. Yeah, team. right. Gang. Well, you find out. He's homeless, but then at the other time, everyone's fucking afraid of him. Yeah. And he's like the neighborhood boogeyman. Like it's weird. Like I, it's like this Errol... weird like fusion of so many other things. Like yeah, he's he's the boogeyman, but he's also like this fucking like just degenerate that doesn't like no no one fucking knows what the fuck he's gonna do. And like there's a scene later on which I don't really care if we spoil it now where fucking Rodney tells strike the first time he killed someone and he goes into this story about how errol basically bullied him into his first murder (laughs) and not just bullied like threatened to kill him with a shotgun if he didn't kill this guy this is the type of person errol is yeah he put he put a shotgun in the in rodney little who's the head of this drug operation who's the head of the drug operation yeah i think i think they were insinuating that this was back before they got this little empire that they, they were explaining that him and Errol were boys and they were like kind of coming up in the world yeah essentially and what had happened is Errol was honestly more in charge than Rodney and 
it's it's not clear, but they kind of emphasize because there's this like this theme of generational grooming, and they kind of they kind of hinted that Errol groomed Rodney. Yeah, the but problem they took is that the, the actor is old. The problem <laughs> is that the actor Rodney is an older fellow, so when they did the flashback, he didn't look that much younger. Yeah, like like um, fucking uh, Tom Bird looked like he was he was like twenty five. And fucking Delroy Lindo looked like he was 47 when he was supposed to be 25. Right. Unfortunately, they should have cast someone to play the younger version. They could have casted Samuel Jackson. (laughs) Essentially, Arrow put the he puts a shotgun in Ronnie's mouth and he said, "You're gonna kill that nigga. I'm gonna kill you." Yeah. He and essentially, we don't like we don't necessarily know the guy he's supposed to kill. It's kind of emphasized that like, oh, he's it's a just dude a rival gang, them yeah. or yeah. rival ga- drug dealer, something like that. Didn't pay him their money, and so essentially, he killed the other two guys. But he, he essentially wanted Rodney to kill this dude because he's never killed a guy, and he didn't want him it, it, to to close the the loose end of Rodney ratting potentially ratting on Errol to get a lesser sentence on a murder mm-hmm. charge, he implicated him so that way they both have dirt on each other and therefore no one can rat on the other without them both going down. Yeah, which is essentially. like in, ingenious which is what, and awful. Which is what Rodney was doing to strike when he said kill Daryl, but it was, he kind of groomed it like, oh, oh, I, I, you're coming up in the world, you're like a son to me, but, but he did it in a more scummy way, which is, which where Errol kind of was very straightforward about what he was doing. A little blunt, but, you know, ge- genuine. I'll give him that. He was genuine about what the fuck he was saying. Mm. Yeah, it's it's and fucking He nuts. literally says in the flashback after the he shoots the dude, he said, yeah, he said, yeah, I'm oh. bad, man. Oh, he's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, Errol, no, Errol's he, a fucking nightmare. He was intimidating as shit. One of, like... Honestly, underrated movie though. <laughs> I, underrated movie. Villain. Yeah, dude, I wish he had more screen time. He's like the best character. If if there were more scenes of my second favorite character, who we'll get to, mm-hmm. I wish Errol's Errol's number one. So they run into what? Errol. Errol gives his wild eyed "I don't give a fuck anymore." Fuck you speech. <laughs> And Strike goes inside to the barbershop. And this is honestly probably my favorite scene in the movie. So Strike walks in on Rodney talking with to these, like, 13-year-old kids, giving this 13-year-old kid a haircut. And the whole time he's like, you know, you guys aren't making real money. You guys aren't really making real cash. How about you come work for me and I'll show you what you're really all about. You know, you're always wasting your money like this. You're always wasting. He's having this speech about, like, learning the hustle. I'll teach you the way. And while Rodney's doing that, you're cutting back to strike, muttering the words of the speech that Rodney is telling them. Which I the think pitch, is the yeah. most ingenious fucking shit. Because it just, it shows like, you think initially, oh, this is just, uh, this is the hustle. This is like some grooming shit. But then when you cut back to Strike, it's like, oh, fuck. He's been running this game for so goddamn long. Yeah, he's been grooming these kids. Like, scientific, all of them are probably little boys who came at the barber shop. And it, it's fucked up because, like... Culturally, in North America and the black community, the barbershop has always been like a safe haven of communal, uh, I don't know how to explain it. There's not a lot of community centers or places to like be 
in the black community. So a lot of black people, folk, they'll just come into the barber shop and, you know, they'll be like the old dude at the chair. He'll talk to you, talk about sports, the the goings on, what, whatever have you. Uh, it's kind of like this, not like a father or an uncle, but this like grandfather kind of role where it's like gather around kids. Let's all talk about the, around the campfire. It's kind of like a cultural thing. And to see Rodney kind of poison that to groom these like impressionable kids. Yeah. To get more money. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But all you got to do is start at the bottom of the pyramid and slowly you'll get to the top of the pyramid like me. And then it's fucked up because they're like, what, 16, 15 year olds? They look like they're to? 14. They look like they're yeah, just 14. Like 13, 14. And then you cut to like the kids who are outside the barbershop who are too young to get a haircut who are working for him just to sweep up the place. And they're like they're 9 or kids. 10. Yeah. Yeah, they're like 9 or 10 or whatever. And you can tell that like, Oh, oh, they're not ready for this, the pitch yet, but he's setting them up for the pitch. That's why they were outside. They weren't ready for the pitch yet because, like, you, you could tell they're probably so young they're going to tell their mom or some shit. Like, oh, so-and-so at the barber shop told me that I could become a drug dealer. But, like, I, I'm pretty sure he's wait, he's waiting for them to when they're 15 and they realize that, like, they need money to get ahead and all that shit. It's really fucked up watching the, the system. Watching the grooming um, system unfold, yeah. Right, and, and that, and, and in a sense, Rodney is probably worse than Errol because elite because Errol Errol doesn't a, give a fuck. Rodney is has like the brains to know how the system works. Errol's like, I'm gonna like he has a give no fucks energy just written on his face. Okay, but remember the scene? He was he he technically he was giving a speech to not just strike but also Tyrone, that other little kid who was hanging around Strike, who was getting okay. grinned by Strike, he was telling him not to be hanging around all this shit. Yeah. You're young. Because cause he goes on about how, like, I was smart. I, I used to be smart. I, I had, I had, I was in the honor roll for uh, arithmetic or some shit like that. And he's like, then I, then I started doing that dope. Then I became a dope dealer, and then I got A. Like he was literally like the, the, the like the dare program, like the like the bad story, like like the the guy who goes on stage like in middle school. He's like, don't be like me, kids. Oh, every time. <laughs> don't be yeah. like me. Yeah. But but Rodney's encouraging, like, no, 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 get in the gang. It's you'll get quick quick money, man. Quick this quick money. Get that quick quick cash. So it's weird. It's like it's it's a weird just position because it's like. Oh, Errol's the really scummy fucking guy. Because I think they say later that he killed a kid at one point. Like, oh, don't yeah. be like this dude. That's He's the, the big villain. Yeah. But really, but the same, but the real time, he has more moral fiber than Robbie does. Yeah, because he's not grooming children into becoming drug warriors. Right. But yeah, so so Strike shows up. He listens to the groom speech, and then Rodney and Strike step out. Strike tells him, "Yeah, the deed's done." Rodney's like, "Yeah, oh, man, you're you're great. You're the I love you. You're like my child. I love you." Mm-hmm. And then the next day, fucking Strike is talking to fucking Tyrone, getting him involved in the system. Andre shows up, talks about the mattresses. They get all that <laughs> shit going, all the all that shit, and all of a sudden, Victor. He sees Victor one last time in the street. They talk one to one another. You don't hear what about and you don't know what about. But that's the last time Victor and Strike see each other before Victor goes to the police station and admits that he killed Daryl Adams. Now, he go. they go into this interrogation scene where Victor, 
who's just spilling his heart out about like I killed I killed this guy I shot him I was scared I shot I like I I freaked out I didn't mean to like murder him I was just terrified and Harvey Keitel's doing this this interrogation and the whole time like you can see on Harvey Keitel's face nah there's something up he's not he's not yeah the pro- the problem is like because we're talking about how he's supposedly the only moral quote unquote cop he has this bias where which is honestly kind of dangerous he has this bias similar to keith david but a little unrealistic where he's just like oh well look at this guy he's one of the good ones you know he's got two jobs two the wife and the two kids he's never he's squeaky clean he's, he's never a had a record man. in his Why life would he ever and you're t- someone yeah. yeah why would he ever why would he ever join in on this black on black crime shit this they're they're they're, they're, they're tricking me or some shit this is some kind of some kind of setup or or some shit, and I, I, I which is fucked up because he's stereotyping essentially, and uh, unfortunately he can't accept the reality that yeah, a guy this nice in this environment, working those two jobs, stressed out, never getting any sleep and shit, working at the goddamn that shitty burger place he was yeah, working he's at. Yeah, he's never gonna, he's never gonna amount to anything. He's like just yeah, he might be a good dude, but like that pressure builds and it kills you. It kills you emotionally. Yeah. But he's listening to this interrogation. He's like, yeah, things aren't adding up. And then the next scene, you see him and John Turturro talking it over. And and fucking John Turturro is just like, yeah, we got him. We're done. It's a fucking, we got a yo in prison. We're good. Let's fucking go. They they say yo like 500 times. They might as well just say the N-word. He said, you know those Nubians, you know, you probably (laughs) saw Daryl. Whatever, he stepped on his Nikes. Yeah, he stepped and, on his and neck. It, That's it, the... And he shot him. That's... And I was like, bro, that was the most racist shit you probably... First of all, That's first of sh- all, That's Nikes? The sh- That's the shit. Get That's... the fuck up out of here. I forgot about If it. you said Jordans, I would have bought it. But Nikes? Come on, bro. I, I totally... aren't killing each other over Nikes. Come I... on, get the fuck up out of here. I totally forgot about... Like, Harvey Keitel mm-hmm. is like, this kid couldn't have killed this guy. What I think would happen is that he's taking the fall for his drug dealer brother. He's doing. He's keeping him silent because he's connected to Rodney Little, and we could be all set. And John Turturro's like, "Listen, here's my idea. This stupid fucking yo is walking across a parking lot. He steps on a guy's Nikes, and then ba boom, they got into a fight. Bang bang, and it's like, wow, wow. They're just yeah, making yeah, excuses. Yeah, Kaitel wants it to be this whole conspiracy theory." That like he's being tricked or, or, or something, yeah. and that it's all a conspiracy to bring a good guy down, and that these scumbags are using this good person uh, to 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 escape like a murder charge or some shit, and like that bias is very it's dangerous because like he's implicating Strike in this conspiracy that just isn't true. Spoiler alert: <laughs> uh, Errol Adams was killed by. The squeaky clean uh, lad. What's his name? Victor. What's his brother's name? Victor. Victor. Victor did kill him. He was telling the truth. He mm. did kill him. It was a it was a crime of passion, spur of the moment. He was stressed out from work. He was drunk. I, I don't want to give excuses, but essentially he shot him. That, yeah, he that shot was the him. fact of the matter. He, he shot, shot him out of but, stress. But Kaitel can't. But Kaitel can't accept that the squeaky clean Sydney Portier, one of the good ones, model citizen, quote unquote could could go down that road 
Yeah, he could. But the other yeah. cops are just like disillusioned. And then, like, one of our favorite scenes happens in the movie where they keep singing, Now the yo's are pulling one over me. The, the, you locked up the wrong brother. And then the one black lieutenant who is like the commissioner it, of the department. He, he, he turns around. He's like, Hey, I'm tired of hearing that yo shit from you. Back off. He said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lieutenant. I didn't mean no disrespect. I didn't mean no disrespect. <laughs> he cowers off like a fucking pussy. And then the scene ends. That was the best scene. They like they, uh, they talk all this big racist shit, but like they they that's the problem is like they're dis they're not like peril, where like what they say is what they mean. Because they would never say that shit in front of in front of them yeah. they'll say it when the person's dead or behind their back or some shit they don't have the balls to say it to it they say hard on nigger in front of a, a black man's face they don't have the balls for that shit oh of course not so yeah, like right. yeah so they go off and it, it's it sort of culminates now we get into the basic juice of this which is rocco hunting down strike trying to get strike to confess trying to get strike to just admit that he's a piece of, like he he killed daryl adams all while Andre is putting pressure on fucking Strike to be a good person, while Strike is taken around Tyrone, who's this young little kid. He brings him back to his apartment. That scene's fucking weird, where he brings him back to his apartment and he's trying to do the Big Brother shit, but it seems like he's like a Big Brother from the Big Brother program instead of like a Big Brother bringing him over. Right, like, right. This is, no, this but is my he's little gro- kid. he's grooming him, though. But he's Let doing some- it like raw. He's like... It seems so awkward that whole conversation where he's like they're he's cutting coke in front of this like eight year old kid and he's like yeah this is that good shit you gotta split it apart I never want to see you do this you do this and I will I'll you, you want to know and he picks him up and he brings him to the fucking bed and he pulls out a gun and he says you see this gun I'll pop your ass I never want to see you do it's like you could have just told him that. Right, and he's flexing, he's flexing, like, scientifically, I'm hard out here, I get that money, but you don't do drugs, don't do drugs, sell drugs, but don't do drugs. I'm hard as shit, I'm hard as shit, by the way, look at my model train set. (laughs) And if you ever, yeah, yeah, and he's like, you ever see Errol? Uh, down the street, he he killed a kid last year. He could kill you, motherfucker. It's dog eat dog world, bro. That's why I carry the carry the gat. And like this impressionable kid has the star, the star in his eyes. Like, Ooh, a gun, cool. Kind of like the 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 juice thing, where like the Tupac has this weird obsession with guns. Oh um, my god, Juice is a great movie. I wish it oh, bombed no, yeah, so we, we could gotta, talk about it, but we could. <laughs> we definitely need to watch yeah, it. Uh, I, I need to rewatch it. Juice. But like, yeah, no. So like, yeah, he brings he brings Tyrone around. He gives him the shittiest video game of all time. I don't know what the fuck that was. What gangsta? Gangsta. It was called gangsta. Gangsta. It was Sega. Remember for the Sega, Sega for the Sega virtual reality console that never existed. And so, yeah, he's just hanging out with this ten year old kid. <laughs> he's chugging chocolate milk. Harvey Keitel is bothering him literally every day. Sticky Fingers is calling him a bitch. Strike's life is dog shit right now. Also, also his mom doesn't love him. Oh, his mom hates his guts. That's why his, he lives in the apartment. His brother's in jail. His brother's now in um, jail. Andre keeps breathing down his neck to pay for the, the community center. 
shit. Yeah. And how he fa- how he failed because he didn't listen to his lectures. <laughs> yeah. Like all the all these weird pressures. And okay, another thing too. Uh, see, this is the thing I forgot about, Eric. When you said he's not hard, like he's not a gangster, I disagree because he never snitches. He always True. did the game right. He always played the game correct. He followed all the rules of the street. See, you say that. We're gonna get to the ending. I feel as though you might be a little bit wrong there, Emeka. I disagree. I feel like he followed all the rules of the street. Where, where that last interrogation anymore. scene where Harvey Keitel's throwing him across the room and he's just like, it was scientific, I swear, it was scientific. No, it was actually right. Yeah, but scientific was an act. That's different, though. Scientific kicked him in the, in the, he kicked him while he was down, though. <laughs> he literally, no, that's, diff- that's different. Okay, first of all, first of all, um, <laughs> I think we're jumping around, but there was a scene where Strike is literally, all the pressures are culminating to the point where yeah. the cop is asking these questions. He's coughing up blood. He's, and he's spitting up blood because of his Like ulcer. it's water. Yeah. And the cop's like, hey, man, you got blood on my shoes. The cop's just not giving a fuck. He does not give a fuck. This dude's like clearly in distress and pain and coughing up blood. Yeah. And then like he leaves and then it strike fucking falls on the fucking ground because of his all. I think his ulcer. His burst ulcer is just shit. yeah, it explodes. He's in deep shit. And then scientific to to throw Salmo. Oh like, no 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 no, no, no. Hold, on, hold on hold on he doesn't he falls over. All of the friends at the bench are like, oh my god, Strike, are you okay? Strike, are you good? And Sticky Fingers, also known as Scientific, runs up and he's like, you fucking with that crack, man? And kicks him right in the stomach. Right, he probably burst the ulcer, bro. That shit was wild. I'd never do that shit to him. Okay, like, first of all, there was one time Eric was at a party. I think over the phone someone said, he was like, hey, yo, Eric, come cut up this crack. I think it's a joke or some shit. And I, I got really fucking mad. I'm like, Eric, are you fucking doing crack? You son of a bitch. What the fuck? And I got so fucking angry. And Eric said, no, 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 he's fucking with me. Uh, and like, 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 I don't know. I like, yeah, I would be that friend who would yell at the friend for doing something stupid like that. But I wouldn't kick him while he's down. You wouldn't <laughs> like, literally, literally kick, kick him. him. They wheel up the ambulance and everything. And like, I, I don't know if the scene got cut over Mr. Remember, I remember a scene where like, He's in the hospital and they're doing the surgery. The doctor's like, "Oh, yo, you have an ulcer." No, nah, maybe not. they didn't show that. No. Nah. Yeah, maybe the one we saw they cut it. It's definitely on YouTube, but um, it's revealed he has a stomach ulcer, and that's why he's been sucking on milk and instead of liquor, and that's why he's been coughing up blood and sucking on Pepto Bismol. And like, like yeah. when you watch the movie, you think it's a guilt thing, like the guilt of being a drug dealer and all this shit is getting to him, and it's manifesting physically but he really just has a stomach ulcer yeah he's just in in chronic pain so like all this is going on while this is going on we introduce to like my my second favorite character who shows up for like a total of 15 minutes but god is it the best 15 minutes we get introduced to jojo uh jojo who is played by uh fucking Oh my god, I'm laughing too hard from this. Fucking, he's played by Michael Imperioli, also known as Christopher Maltesanti from The Sopranos. And originally, fun fact, fun fact for all you lovely listeners out there, Spike Lee initially wanted Rocco Klein, the role that Harvey Keitel plays in this movie, to be played by John Turturro. And he wanted Michael Imperioli to be John Turturro's character in this film. 
So, like, it would have been John Turturro and Christopher Maltasanti as the two cops instead of fucking Harvey Keitel and John Turturro, which would have oh. been awesome. I don't know about No, I like, I like the roles as it was, because I like seeing Chris Maltasanti come back, but I like that he was this, like, shady vice cop. He was essentially <laughs> the same character he played in The Sopranos. He's literally He's Christopher a- Maltasanti. Strike my man. This is a new day, Strike. Dinkins out, booty in, law and order, cut the budget, party's over. Crackdown on drugs, crime, niggas, spicks, homeless, weepy men, African Americans. Have a seat. So what's up? Not a thing, detective. Detective? Call me JoJo. You like basketball? Nah, I don't like sports. What do you like? Trains. Choo-choo trains? You can't dunk a basketball? Nah. Nah. Get the fuck out of here, man. You've been slamming before you was crawling. I listen. I'm here because I like you. I do. Now, tomorrow night's gonna be knock-on night. We're coming down on these projects like a fucking broom. So if I was you, I'd take my homies out, say 9 p.m. for some chocolate moolies or whatever it is you drink, till about 11. Bet? Yeah, bet. I look out for you, you look out for me. Yeah, I... No, 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 I... I look out for you, you look out for me. You look like 500. 500, to start. Good. Every week I look out for you, I tell you when we're hitting. Week in, week out, you look out for me. Cool? Cool. This is my man Kirby. Kirby gonna double back in like 30 minutes, you lay it on him. You tell your boy Rodney, I got some good stuff he could use. Finest, highest quality. Peace out. He was playing the same exact character because he he, he he does another booty strip search strike in the dead of night. And he's just like, look, man. He's like, what are you, a cop? He's like, no, nah, man, I'm not a cop, man. Call me JoJo. My friends call me JoJo. Look, 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 look. I work vice. I work vice, homie. Let's, oh, 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 I'm also forgetting the best part. He called him, uh, oh, what did he say? He said, like, a nigger, fix. We're, we're cracking he's like, down. oh, nigger, no, no. He's like, fix. oh, game over, strike. We're hunting down all of y'all's. The gangbangers, yeah, yeah. the drug dealers. Yeah, the, yeah, the niggers, spikes. Bags, and then he said, and then in the end he said, African Americans. That was <laughs> the most ignorant thing I've ever heard in my life. He, just, he listed off, starting with nigger, all these slurs. At the end, he says African American, as if it was yeah, it makes it very, yeah, yeah it makes it okay. It my, f- that's like the JoJo, like that that scene in The Sopranos where Christopher Maltesanti and Adriana are in the burger shop. And he's just like, whose welfare check do I have to sign in order to get a burger around here? Imagine if that was just the entire character. And that is Christopher, that's fucking Michael Imperiali's whole character in this movie. No, it was the same character. Remember the scene in The Sopranos? And then, now we're getting sidetracked. But in The Sopranos, remember <laughs> where he had that black drug dealer friend, or not friend, but at the bottom of the pyramid, and he was 
struggle. He was pushing him for a cut because yeah. he, he was running numbers. Oh, yeah. Same character, except this time he has a badge, so he can get away with it. Oh no! But he's like he's saying like all this cat. Like I don't know if this is like an Italian thing where Italians just say the most racist shit as a compliment. But it's right. like he's he's like having this conversation with Strike. And he's like, so what do you what do you like doing? Shooting hoops or something? He's <laughs> like, nah, I'm into <laughs> I love that. He said you he said you ball you ball, you play basketball. You've like, nah, been balling, you've been balling since on. you were crawling. <laughs> like, he's, he's like he's like, nah man, I don't like sports. He, what what you like? I like you. What do you like? And he's like, trains. Like choo choo trains. Like choo choo trains? Uh whatever. He's like, look. He said, look, he said, he said, look, man, look, look we're going to be cracking down on these certain bots. I'll give you a heads up, right? And you just got to give me a cut, bro. I'll, I'll give you the heads up when we're about to crack down on some drug spots. And you and you just got to give me a cut of what you're doing. And, and, you know, knowing you can spend all your money on your, your chocolate moolies or whatever the fuck it is you do. <laughs> Just got the a most deal. Racist shit. The most racist. Right. He's shit. like, yo, we got a, we got a, we got a deal. And he's like, he says, I. He said, no, 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 I, I, no, I. <laughs> I do something for you. You do something for me. You got it. I need to hear you say it. <laughs> and then he's like, then he, then he's, then he agrees. He's like, cool, cool. I'll be, I'll, I'll come by next week to get I'll my I'll come 500. by next week. Go. By the way, that's my boy down there. By the way, that's my boy down there. We'll see you around, Strike. Yeah, yeah, and he and JoJo was sent by Kaitel to put more pressure on Strike to give up Rodney. Yeah, basically. That's that's his whole role is to like because apparently like JoJo is on a task force to get Rodney and yes. he's working as vice because he's working to try to score Rodney and he knows and Kaitel knows that and uses that to try to get him in on this. Dude, fucking JoJo's only in it for like 15 minutes, but like it's fucking gorgeous. There's another scene oh. later on. It's kind of like a subtle backdrop thing and I think it's really cool that it's so subtle. But like there's this, like, a tracking shot scene where there's this beat-up Buick that pulls into the neighborhood, and it's filled with these privileged white shitweeds who, like, get out... One of them gets oh, out of the car her. in a yellow polo, goes into the trash, grabs the shit, because they're doing, like, a side deal, grabs the shit, walks back into the car. He's like, all right, we gotta go. Drives off as to show, like... Oh, this is this is like the white quote unquote white tourism of the inner city type shit. Guys are here to exploit the destruction around so that they can get their kicks. That comes around later when those kids get pulled over by the cops and they get pulled wait, wait, over. They, by... go to, they go to Captain Ahab's at the drive-through. Yeah, they go to that. They go to, to the, the burger joint at the drive-through to, to to get like fucking milkshakes and burgers and shit. And then JoJo shows up. And does more, the most racist shit imaginable. He's like, oh, what are you guys here for? What, you guys like soul food or something? You guys listen to jazz <laughs> around here? that what it is? Like, he he goes, says, no, I'm not particularly into the genre. And then he's like, what, you like to suck black cock? <laughs> you like to run a train down here? You ever hear of a mandingo? Because that's what's going to happen to you in the, in the pen when you go down on this drug charge when I do the strip search. And then his asshole friend, because it's so funny because the guy in the, who's driving the car, he's trying to talk his way out of it. Like, what seems to be the problem, officer? And his jumpy idiot friend in the back, this like this ginger looking fuck, he's just like, come on, let's get out of here, man. 
fuck. Let's come on, John. Let's leave. Come on, man. Let's get out of here. And then, just, and then and um, just the story is like starting to sound convincing when it was like, you know what? Maybe they will get away with it. That jumpy friend just goes like, like the drugs are in his pocket. Okay. He got so oh he got so God. scared with the the Mendingo thing. The oh A train scared God. him so much. He was like, <laughs> he got the drugs. And they all get arrested. They all get. He's like, you uh, son of a bitch. There's he's no like, all right, out of the car. car. Everyone out of the car. That's wait, wait, wait I don't get to go because I snitched. No. And then it's revealed that off screen, because JoJo goes back to uh, Rocco, Clytel, and he, he tells him, um, yo, so I, I clept these um, white kids, these upper city white kids on a drug charge. Um, they're willing to play ball to implicate, to do this whole thing where they implicate that Rodney, Rodney, yeah, so that they can push it. For so a they... lesser, a trade for a lesser sentence, so they're using this, like, white privilege thing. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, it's all the pieces are coming together in the corruption shitty way. And then at this point, at this point, I believe, strikes out of, out of the hospital after his ulcer burst. The, the cops are deep on his ass. They show He's up... also trying to scrounge up the money to uh, get his brother out on bail. Yeah, who's not having a good time, let me tell you. Fucking poor Victor is oh, getting yeah. sliced he, up he, to he, shit. One of my favorite quotes, I'll never forget it, is when Victor says, behind the glass... Uh, During the interrogation. Some of these brothers, I mean, sorry, some of these gentlemen, they love <laughs> jail, man. They love it. And this shit ain't for me. God, get me up out of here, man. Yeah. Up out of here. <laughs> like, yo, you ever want to do yeah. a PSA about not wanting to go to jail? You need that scene. And no like, shit. Like that dude, shit was scary, bro. Terrifying, man. Just yeah, you don't need beyond scared straight. You just need clockers. You're good to go. Yeah, yeah. You just need clockers to be honest. You need us that scene with L L L uh L Roy. L Roy. Oh man. L Roy. We're getting to the demise of him very shortly. But like, yeah, this movie. So, so they're R. going R. off, like, stri Strike's life is falling apart. At this point, this we're getting to the end of Act 2, beginning of Act 3. His life is over. Like, he's getting out of the hospital. He's like, yo, fuck all this bullshit to, to, for Rodney Little. Rodney wants to put a, is straight up gonna kill him in this car. He pulls him over the side, sticks a barrel in his mouth. Like, you fucking want to say fuck me again, huh, motherfucker? Do you know who you're no, talking to? No, because he's like, why do you keep talking to the cops, right? He's like, yeah. why do you keep talking to the cops? So everyone scientific who snitches, by the way, keeps telling me that you keep talking to the cops and like he he's never like snitching or anything like, again it's it's sad because strike follows the rules of the game he doesn't snitch he doesn't snitch he just the, the cops keep showing up to bother. it's not only that it's not only that but strikes just really bad at telling the truth because every time someone's like yo why do the cops keep talking to you he's like none of your business or like <laughs> man let me handle it it's like bruh just tell them they're investigating because well, he doesn't want to they're always bothering him about his brother yeah. And he doesn't want to talk about what happened to his brother. He's very ashamed about it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's personal. So he doesn't want to talk about it, but everyone, they keep seeing him talk to this detective, and they're assuming he's, he's snitching or some shit. Yeah, meanwhile, mm. the, t t the detective's just harassing him because he knows that he's bullshitting him. And so he's coming back every time, and whatever information Strike comes up with, he comes back the next week being like, yeah, so you said you didn't know Daryl Adams, but... 
Apparently, you guys used to, like, deal back in the day. What was that all about, hey, sport? Oh, shit. We completely skipped that really good scene at the restaurant. Oh, what, the the one with Victor where he has the nice day shit, or? Well, not even that. The bit when Rocco goes to the burger plate, the, the Ahabs, to interview the manager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was pretty yeah. tight. That was a good scene, but that was also that's also the same scene that I was talking about. The Victor confronting the clockers situation. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's a, that's a great scene. I don't think we have time for it, though, because we're like... We... Oh, the victim on Rodriguez Montoyo back. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll sum it up real quick. Essentially, Rocco goes to the restaurant to talk to the boss to get more information who is, about who the kind is of person like Victor is. Who is, like, incredibly South Bronx Latin. Like, he is fucking... Right, <laughs> right. He and he, he's talking about why Victor is the is like the patron saint of burger employees. Yeah, and he's like Victor always wanted to make this place feel like a home. And essentially, these clockers come in because they want to clock in the restaurant. Or this isn't Ahab's. This is the other burger place. Yeah, it's the other and the burger. other burger place isn't an operation. And they're like, "Yo, we're looking to clock in here." And then Victor's like, "I'm sorry, y'all can't do this shit." And they're trying to bribe him, blah 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 blah. And, and then the fucking manager's going on this diatribe. He's like, "I was about to get my Victor Rodriguez Clemente signed the baseball. I was ready to to bash in his skull, bash in an arm, get them out of my store." And and, and but um. Also, that really great line where he's like, I'd rather call you Jesus. And he's like, my mother calls me Jesus. My grandmother calls me Jesus. My friends call me Jesus. My employees call me Jesus. You call me Jesus. He's like, all right, Jesus, whatever. Whatever you say, bro. Whatever. Oh, my God. What a good character. <laughs> it lasts like five seconds. Like, he has that scene, but it's it's a pretty tight one. Yeah, so they everything's spiraling out of control. Tyrone, he's trying to distance from Tyrone because Andre's about to murder strike at this point. Because he keeps hanging out with for, Tyrone for, for corrupting the youth, yeah, for corrupting the youth. So Tyrone's like, "Ah, oh, Strike, hold on, I need to talk to you." And Strike's like, "Man, I don't have time for your shit. Get out of here. I hate you. Fuck you." And so, like, he's like yelling. Yeah, he don't want to get his ass beat by Andre. And, exactly. and, and Tyrone's fairness, it's like it's weird because one sec second. He's buying him a Sega video game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and giving him haircuts yeah. and being his, his older brother he never had. And then the other then the other breath, he's like, yo, fuck you, little boy. Get the fuck up out of here. This is grown-up exactly. stuff. Exactly. This is some grown-up shit. You're not deaf. Get the fuck out of here. Go do your homework. And so he's doing this what? shit. The cops figured out a way to screw over Rodney and get him arrested. And they imply that Strike ratted on him after the whole gun muzzle thing. Right, right. Essentially, yeah, there's this altercation between Rocco and Strike where um, he's in front of the police okay he finally agrees to go to the police station because he had a choice between getting his ass beat by, by Andre. Andre or coming with Harvey Keitel and he goes with Harvey Keitel yeah. to the station he goes to Harvey Keitel to the station and then he's like okay let's go and he's like hold on a second um actually I have nothing to say <laughs> and he's and he's like yeah i just used you to get out of a jam with andre and that really pisses off rock he's like you're bullshitting me you're using me you fucking nigger he calls him a nigger uh he's like what the fuck you just say to me you racist ass cop and he he calls him a nigger he fucking um he's like you're bullshitting me you and your brother and rod you think you can pull one over on me pull one over on me this is your last chance you either walk up in there with me or you're gonna see what happens when you fuck with me and so strike leaves 
yeah. which gets him in trouble with Rodney because Rodney thinks he's snitching. And so what you said where he brings in Rodney under false pretense or whatever, he sets him up and then he whispers some shit to Rodney saying, I want strike, uh, strike Rad on you, essentially. Basically. And then to seal the deal, he went up to strike in front of the corner boys, like scientific and all them, and he, 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 talk, he, he leads him in to talk about his brother. Yeah. So he comes in to talk to him, and he starts shaking his hand and hugging. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Guess what? Your your boy, Rodney, I just told him that you snitched on him, and now your boy's over there going to collaborate the story. He's like, what the fuck, bro? They're going to kill me. And he's like, exactly. He's like, that's what you get when you fuck, when you don't, when you don't tell me the truth. Yeah, congratulations, mm. dipshit. Now you're in deep <laughs> shit. So and now, mind you, Strike didn't do anything wrong. He never snitched. He which didn't say anything, he, but like then fucking scientifics, like you dirty rat fuck, and then they get into a fight, and then half right. the crew's with Strike, half the crew's with scientific. Then you get to like later on in the film, you're, you're getting to the end point. We're getting to end point here. So right. like Strike's outside, ha like his gang hates him. Tyrone's been trying to talk to him for a minute with a fucking bag in his hand. He's like, I don't want to hear your shit. Fuck you. He's walking off. You get the signature Spike Lee shot. This probably... Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. But before that, oh, uh, something important. It's almost something... two hours. <laughs> All right, bro, but there's an important plot point that you're missing. I'm sorry. but uh, Do we have to go through happens... every plot point? Anyway. No, I'm just saying Strike gets the money together. Gives it to oh, his yeah. sister. Yeah. And then uh, he's looking for his gun. And he's like, where the fuck is my gun? Yeah, oh shit, yeah, you're right. He's packing up to he, just leave he, town, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, he's about to leave town, and he's like, you know what? Tyrone can have my train set when I leave. Basically, and then he's searching, can't find his gun. He's like, where the fuck's... I found my gun, fuck. So he finds his gun. So he, no, he doesn't find his gun. His gun's lost forever. His gun's gone. So Tyrone... We're the, whole the tracking shot. We're yeah, the tracking shot. You got the Spike Lee tracking shot. And fucking Spike's like, God, I'm so done with everything. I'm done with this life. Fuck this. Looks up, goes, ah, oh, fuck. Turn pen to a strung out fucking Elroy Barnes with a magnum in his pocket doing some fucking junky dancing, looking for fucking Strike. Oh, he looks sketchy as all hell, bro. Oh, he looks God. so sketchy. And it's in his in in fairness, oh, because Ronnie sent him to kill Strike. Yeah, and so Strike's hiding, ducking, trying to avoid him. All while uh, out of here by KRS One is booming in the background. <laughs> Dude, this soundtrack oh, was hype too. Not gonna beautiful lie. soundtrack. Yeah. Beautiful soundtrack. So yeah, fucking KRS One, it's blasting. He's like, ah, oh, shit. So he goes and hides. Tyrone riding on him on a fucking bike rides up. <laughs> As the as the beautiful Deus Ex Machina that he is, strikes like what the fuck are you doing, Tyrone? What are you out of your mind? Tyrone pulls his fucking strikes gun out of this bag, shoots and well, he didn't pull it out of the bag. He was holding he was it holding in a brown bag. paper bag. He was holding really suspicious, even worse than the newspaper, very <laughs> suspiciously. And it wasn't even like shaped like. It's like, I think at one point someone described it as a bag of candy. It didn't even look like that. It looked like a gun underneath <laughs> the bag. And he shoots, Elroy's like, what are you doing, little nigga? And he shoots him, unprompted. Kills and him dead. Kills him fucking Elroy, dead. Elroy, the glue that holds this whole thing together, dies unceremoniously to this little boy. And mind you, he looks like um, Tyrone's dressed like a mini strike, essentially. He's, he's got the red shirt. 
He's got the haircut. He looks just like a mini strike, groomed up, ready to go hard. And he shoots Elroy because I guess it was the only way to get Strike's attention because he want because he wasn't talking to him anymore. And he, he was like, okay, I guess he won't talk to me unless I go hard. So he went fucking hard. He went hard as and nails. killed Elroy while Murdered blasting. Uh, what what was he playing in his headphones? I don't even know. I th- what fucking yeah. out of here by KRS One or is that a different uh, some different song? I- Maybe uh, it was. I thought it was Wu Tang he was blasting in his headphones, but probably. I could be wrong. I don't even know. But he kills fucking Elroy. Elroy's dead. Strike runs off. Uh, poor Tyrone gets arrested. Tyrone, which breaks born. Keith David's heart. <laughs> breaks oh. his heart so bad that he cries up to Harvey Keitel. Poor Rocco. Not even poor Rocco. Go cries up to Rocco, being like, "Hey, so look, the, the guy, the kid's ten. The kid's fucking 10. He didn't know what he was doing. He's a good kid. He's a good kid. I think kid. he's like number two in his percentile, some shit like that. Yeah, he's like, he's yeah. one of the good ones. He's you one know, of the good David's, ones. Yeah, he's one of the good ones. And he gives him a dirty gun. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, yo, we've done this before. He said, you know what I'm talking about. Just do me this one favor. And the favor is they're going to plant this dirty gun they, they took from evidence onto Elroy and say in the report that Elroy pulled out a gun on the kid. Basically, to make it look like Elroy was actually trying to murder this kid. They were sitting in this interrogation room, basically feeding him his interrogation right before they press play and record on the fucking table. Drugs, crime, peer pressure. You know what that means, peer pressure? Yes. I hear you're real intelligent. Don't your friends make fun of you? When you get straight A's, speak correct English, attend school, go to classes, don't hang out. Don't they call you white boy? Don't they call you soft because you ain't hanging with them hard? I know they do. All you want to do is the right thing. But they keep threatening you, threatening your mother. Tyrone? So you get a gag. So you two can be hardcore, protect yourself and your mother. You know the man you shot? Yeah. That was Errol Barnes, a stone killer. He did time for killing a kid your age. So here you are riding your bike, minding your own business. You have a gun, but it's for protection. All of a sudden, there's Errol, that kid killer, standing right in front of you. He's got this horrible look in his beady eyes. You see him reaching. Tyrone, look at me. Look at me, Tyrone. You see him reaching for that 38 stuck in his waist. You know he's gonna get you. And he's gonna protect your mother. You never fired that gun before. But Errol was about to pull that trigger. You're scared. All you want to do is ride your bike. It's either him or you. But there's this killer standing in front of you, reaching. There's no time to think. His finger is on the trigger. Boom, boom. The gun just appeared in your hand. That's what happened. That's what exactly happened. And when I ask you what happened with the tape recorder... What a great scene. I love that uh, scene. Kaitel really, like, did... Because Spike, in his editing, you know, like, he has his editing quirks, like, like you brought up the the roaming 
tripod or whatever the, the conveyor belt thing oh yeah or he does the he did this thing where like this kind of parody shot where like the kid's telling a story and it looks like a commercial i don't know how to explain it it looks like a like a i can't describe it other than a mattress commercial where the guy's describing something and the thing's happening in the background of the guy or you know what the, the mayhem commercials you know that the insurance may yeah, yeah 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 it looks a little bit like that gonna fuck up your drain yeah it's like that but kai tells in the middle he's just like so you know you're around all these gangsters they're talking about going hard don't they call you white boy don't they call you a little bitch don't they... so you want to get a gun too you get a gun and now look at you you got a gun you're hard you're trying to protect him on here's this bad motherfucker elroy standing in front of you and poor elroy in the shot because, you know, he looked sketchy as fuck when the actual shooting happened. Yeah. In the little thing where he's changing the story, he looked, he looked like a puppy dog. He it looked... was so sad. The way he, he was standing there, his op- his eyes watery. He looked innocent as shit. He just looked Because, you know, the kid's, the kid's picturing it, but the kid's feeling the guilt of, like, killing the dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So Which he's... is genius visual. Yeah. Oh, of course. So he's doing this. He's doing this giant monologue. And then... Tyrone's kind of pushing a narrative. He's kind of like, I found the gun in the bushes. And they're like, what do you mean they found the gun in the bushes? He's like, well, I just found this gun in the bushes. And then they get push him and prod him until finally Tyrone said, all right, all right. It was Strike's gun. I took it from Strike. I'm sorry. To which and then Keith, all, David, Keith David doesn't even finish <laughs> the sentence. He's just like, that motherfucker! And leaves. <laughs> and runs and, off. And, and then he explains, he explains, I took. he didn't give it to me. I took it from him because uh, I want him to notice me. I wanted him to notice me. I wanted him to realize, like, I, I miss my friend. That's all it was. And and Harvey Cattell's like, I, you did the right thing, kid. You did a good thing. Don't worry. You did a good thing. I'll try to splice it in into this thing. But this smash cut, <laughs> smash cut to Keith David beating the fuck out of strong. Oh, my God. Oh, you ruined that boy's life. You fucking parasite. I ain't nothing to do with that shit, man. I'm tired of this. It's not my fault. Well, I'm not hearing that bullshit no more. Motherfuckers like you that mug Rosa Parks. Who the fuck is Rosa Parks? Who the fuck is Rosa Parks? Who is Rosa Parks? I don't know the brothers I had. Brothers, you stupid, ignorant motherfucker. Brothers. Brothers. Still, you take care of your brothers? Huh? Your brothers take responsibility for their actions. And I'm gonna make damn sure you take responsibility for Come on, man. Throw me fucking around. I'm done with that. Done with it? Done with it? Fucking you're done from these streets. You're gone from this project. You're gone from New York. You hear me? You hear me? You hear me? In front of the whole hood. It was. It was very embarrassing. I again, like I would Ooh. never want to fight King fucking David. I know it was fictional, but I felt so bad for Mackay Pfeiffer. Holy God, he got. Oh his my! No, no, because he's coughing up <laughs> anime blood and shit with every hit. He's getting thrown up across trees and branches. Then he's then at one point he like put his knee. He did like the the George Floyd shit. He put his knee on his uh, on his neck, and he's just like, "It's motherfuckers like you that killed Rosa Parks." <laughs> and, and, and fucking, then, and then, fucking strikes like who's Rosa Parks. 
Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, Strike put all his dummy stats in a wisdom and has a zero, a one in intelligence. So he's like, who the fuck is Rosa Parks? He's like, who the fuck is Rosa Parks? Who the fuck is Rosa Parks? He said, like, I don't know, man. I know all the homies out here. The homies! The homies! <laughs> <laughs> you ignorant, stupid motherfucker! <laughs> he's beating his <laughs> head. Imagine getting your ass whooped by an irate Keith David. Where he's just and like... Here's... <laughs> And here's the here's the, like we were talking about uh, Strike being like a stunted, developed. He never really grew up kind yeah. of person. He's literally crying for his mommy. Oh my he's god! Literally he's crying so... for his mommy. Sees a little vision of his mommy. You know, who's pretty much disowned him. Yeah. Because he's the bad brother, the bad influence brother. She pretty much disowned him, and he's crying for his mommy. Literally, everyone's watching him get his ass beat. Scientifics, like, man, look at that little bitch, bro. It, it, it was embarrassing. Then, oh my god, it was crazy. His his friend his his friends actually try to help him, and they're like, "Yo, you can't do that shit. That's illegal." Then then Keith David whips I think, a I don't gun out. Scientific. Oh yeah, he, I don't remember he, if it was scientific, but he, he did whip a gun. Out of it. He, he, he pulls out a gun, pistol whips the motherfucker, and he's like, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, "Who else wants to come at me, bro? Huh?" And oh, then he you, goes you, back. And everyone starts backing up because he's raving oh, yeah. a gun even at the EMTs and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The EMTs are scared shitless. These two fucking poor white portly fucks. Oh, be like, I don't know. I don't want to be here. Fucking keep Right, and then he keeps Then kicking... after that, he kicks his ass and then goes up to, to fucking strike and is like, if I ever see you again, I'm going to fucking shoot you. I'm going to plant evidence to say that it was self-fucking-defense. Don't ever fucking come back here again. He's admitting that he's going to just murder Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, He whispers and he's like, yo, I'm going to have to see, see you out in these streets in, in Brooklyn again. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to kill you. You hear me? I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Uh, I'll frame it to make it look like it, it was retribution for this ass whooping you got up in here. I'll get up out, out of this street, kicks him into his fucking car, and then Rodney pulls, uh, like, the worst possible time, Rodney shows up because, you know, he finds out Elroy's dead. He gets out of jail. He's here to see a strike snitching, or what's up with strike, and he sees strike talking to uh, Keith, and he sp said very specifically, if he ever sees him talking to a cop again, he's going to kill him. Oh, he shit. literally put a gun in Strike's mouth at one point and said, if I ever see you talking to the cop again, I'm going to kill you. He sees him talking to Keith, who's actually threatening to kill him. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. So Strike has no choice but to go to the police station. And he runs over to the police station, drives over while fucking Rodney is following his ass the whole way there. He gets... And is destroying his father fucking car. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, because fucking Strike... Strike goes inside, being like, I'm going to confess, whatever. Goes into the interrogation room. While he's in the interrogation room, Rodney is decimating. Decimating his fucking car. Decimating. Oh, Smashing it, it in his motherfucking Scratched in, you're dead. <laughs> oh. it, was, it was embarrassing, right? Now. It was embarrassing. And then, and then Strike, I don't even know why Strike was in the interrogation room, because he didn't snitch. He didn't snitch. And he kept trying, he kept trying, essentially his back was up against the wall. He had nowhere to go. He couldn't go home. He couldn't, he was really back against the wall, so he couldn't go anywhere else. And because, because Keith's trying to kill him. Uh, Rodney's trying to kill him. Everyone thinks he's a snitch. He has no, his mom disowned him. He has nowhere to go. So he's in the police station. And then Kaitel is, you know, kind of doing his final 
interrogated Paul. She's like, just tell me you did it. Tell me you killed him and tell me Rodney told you to do it. And then Victor can go free. Tell me. He said, why is everyone, everyone around you is going down? The little Tyrones went to jail. Your brother went to jail. Everyone around you who are the quote unquote, the good ones are going down. And you, the scumbag, drug dealing, pushing motherfucker as the the one who gets to skirt three that doesn't fit well into my 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 moral view my moral compass bias he hates strike because strike embodies everything um that Rocco hates about the hood he's mm. a drug dealer he's part of the pyramid scheme you know he's the one who gets off while all the innocents get hurt in the process of the game yeah and he he hates him and so he's he's laying all that out on him and he's like tell me who the tell me you you killed him and, and you know strike who again not snitching but also just in the act of desperation uh, he he says oh, it was scientific. He's like, who the fuck is scientific? And I don't I know <laughs> the fuck. Scientific, scientific. It's sticky fingers. Sticky fingers is not his friend at this point. He oh, he's the one he was down. He called him a snitch. He hit him. He was an asshole. So like, it, 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 yeah, was it fucked up? Yeah, did he snitch on him? But like, it, the cop immediately didn't buy it. Of course, he yeah. He didn't buy it. So he just kind of said it out of desperation. And he said, he said, he said, who the fuck is scientific? Scientific. He said, okay, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was my man. Who the fuck is my man? Man, my man. I swear to God, Victor said my man would do it. He said, I go, he's my man. He didn't say who it was. He said my man's would do it. And he was being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, which was the sad part. He was being like dead ass. That's like literally what he said in the beginning of the movie when they're at the bar. That oh my man will do it. And then he he's literally putting him up against the wall. He's ready to beat the shit out of him. And then his mom comes in, Deus Ex Machina style. He's like, if you don't get your hands off my son. And then uh, I, I maybe you want to explain it. So they get to this giant thing. They're freaking out. Then everything stops because Strike's mom walks into the building and is like, get your fucking hands off my son. It was Victor. Victor did it. Victor killed him. Victor. She, she essentially incriminates Victor even worse because she's like, he called me that night saying he was going to shoot somebody. He was going to do something bad. Back. He's going to do something awful. I swear he's going to do it. He he was he was freaking out on the phone, and that right. later on that night he comes in, starts vomiting up in the in the bathroom the whole night, sobbing. Which, by the way, those flashback scenes fucking depressing as hell isaiah washington fantastic actor he acts his fucking ass off through this whole movie honest to god shout out but he's he's vomiting in this toilet and he's sobbing saying i fucking killed a man mom i killed a man mom and she's saying like yeah he confessed it was like it was like a dream it was it was he didn't know what happened it was all it was all made i don't know what happened he just it was something that happened it My was... favorite part in that flashback was when he threw up in the toilet and he sees his kids like toy water guns and he's trying to flush them down the toilet. That was really good. And so but, um, they, they do this yeah. whole background where she's like, My son said it was self defense. Take it at his fucking word. He he said it was self defense and strikes like, wait, but what about the money I gave? We were going to bail him out with the money. And fucking Victor's wife is like, she would never take the money. To which now Strike's mother takes the envelope of $5,000 and pimp slaps the shit out of Strike with it. Just whammo right in the face. 
Because you wouldn't accept his dirty drug dealing money. Just know? to show, like, fuck you. You are scum to me. And so now... Yeah. So now... It's now admitted that Victor did this murder apparently uh can i just say my favorite part of that slap was uh when you watch strike go down to pick up the money and you hear him rustling with it fucking yeah makai pfeiffer <laughs> just like after getting pimp slapped by his own mama just grabbing all the money so they get out of they get out and it's fucking rocco and and john Taturo and strike and they're walking out and he sees all the damage that Rodney has done. Sp spray painting, you're fucking dead, basically, just on his car. Now he basically has to leave New York. So Harvey Keitel drives fucking Strike over to Penn Station. Strike's like, man, why did you care so much about this? Why did you give so much of a fuck about my small little life, about Tyrone? Why do you care so much? Was it only just to get rid of fucking Rodney? Did you do all of this just to get rid of Rodney? To which Harvey Keitel replies with, If I ever see you again, I'm arresting you for conspiracy and murder. Get the <laughs> fuck out of my city. <laughs> and so, right. so and then to... you realize that, that like, it wasn't this noble crusade. It was like a biased, it was a conspiracy theory on Rocco's part, but he, he couldn't he couldn't accept that someone as clean and squeaky clean as Victor could be the one to shoot somebody. To do this, yeah. He couldn't accept it. And he almost killed Strike, who was innocent. Yeah. And his word about the bad should get what they deserve, the innocent should get their day, or whatever, he technically became the thing he didn't want to be. Yeah, fair enough. Fair point. So the what movie happened, ends... The movie Wait, ends. So, yeah, so the movie ends with him going to Penn Station, with because he's the the gimmick is like he's never ridden a he loves choo choo trains, but he's never ridden a train before. Uh, so he's like on the Penn Station train to I don't know Jersey. He's either sent to Jersey or fucking Philly. It looks like either Wyoming, not, but I don't know, like... bro. That looks I don't know from Penn Station. Dude, it looked. It did not look like New Jersey. I'll tell you that much. And it also what, didn't the, look like Philadelphia. The moss fields? That's a thing you you pass on the train. All right, all right. I guess I'm just an idiot. Who knows? But like, yeah, he didn't. Get, like, he literally. It was this bittersweet thing because now he's he's broke. I guess he still has the five grand, but he he's essentially ostensibly broke. No job, no prospects, and he got exiled from his hood into god knows where he's not even in witness protection let's be honest yeah he's just fucked he's basically he, just fucked he literally got sent to the weed like literally the hood chewed him up and spit him out and he didn't do anything wrong like he literally followed the game to the letter yeah and that's what i love about this movie is that it's like you know what that's that's how it is sometime the hood, it's just not fair. Whether whether you're Victor and you're like the good Samaritan trying to do things by the book and right be a law abiding citizen, you, you the hood fucks you. And even if you're like one of those loadout drug dealers who follows all the who's quote unquote hard, who follows all the rules, doesn't snitch, well what doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. At the end of the day, it didn't matter at all. And I yeah, that's just really the what I love so much of how like how time goes by it is it's like the end of the movie happens and it's like yeah that's it that's the end yeah oh yeah scientific oh, dies really, 
Uh, yeah, Hensel was really sad epilogue, yeah. Scientific got got, and then the cops are doing their another day in the office where they're disrespecting a dead body. Tyrone like, gets Man. a fucking Tyrone gets his uh, the train set. Every everyone yeah, but he's under like house arrest or some shit, or he's going to juvenile hall, and it's implicate it's it's alluded to that the damage has been done, and that yeah. despite this little deal or whatever to get this off his record, he's still gonna end up like strike. Oh, of course. So because he's got the haircut, he's got the clothes, and he's talking like Strike. It's implied that he's doomed, like yeah. he's faded into this. Yeah, I feel it's like. a very bittersweet. It's similar. Again, we keep comparing it to The Wire. The Wire had that similar ending, where like all the the next generation of roles were switching and shit. Like characters died, but like it's the same old, same old. It's the I same think, story. I think Strike said it in the movie. He called it blase blah. Yeah, blase blase. Yeah. It's the same so same a really bittersweet ending to a great movie that's underrated in my opinion. Oh, it's super underrated. Now we get to the fun part. <laughs> so mm. the movie was released September fifteenth, nineteen ninety-five. I have the following three weeks of box office returns just to show what happened and what could have caused this this film to not really make any money because it did gross about thirteen million. And honestly, looking at these stats, I, I, I can see why this movie bombed. And we're about to get to it. So, the first week it debuted, it came out second. Now, the only film to beat it was this movie, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. You guys ever hear of that? No. Alright, this was like a 90s film. It was um, Patrick Swayze. Wesley Snipes, uh, John Leguizamo, and they all played, like, drag queens going to Las Vegas. It, it's, it was like a 90s film. But Clockers comes in second, right underneath it, at $4,463,560 grossed. Underneath that, it beats out Dangerous Minds. It beats out Hackers, which was also debuting that week, which is another movie I should fucking cover for this thing. That movie ate tits. So, Hackers, The Usual Suspects underneath that, Braveheart, Mortal Kombat for the third week, beating it out, Agnes, Babe, and A Walk in the Clouds. So, Clockers beat all of those movies except for the Wesley Snipes trans film, ostensibly. The Tu Wong Fu Thanks for Everything film. So, that's his first week. The week following, two movies come out that wreck clockers entirely. Little movie called Showgirls, the first oh. NC-17 film. That's a movie that I need to cover yeah. as well. Uh, grossed $8 million, knocking clockers totally down. It's now down to fifth place. It only grossed $2 million the next week. The number yeah, one sh- film... Showgirls is like a feminist icon americana showgirls now fucking stop it stop it the first movie by a country mile top build seven mm. david fincher's psychological thriller epic grossed number one the following week so now you're kind of seeing the picture here that grossed 13 million dollars the week following that clockers ends up at 11th place 11th place Boy, no. It gets kicked down through four different movies that premiered that following week, which include Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, 
Devil in a Blue Dress, The Big Green, which is like a Disney soccer movie, and Steel Little Steel Big, which looks like some comedy bullshit. Clockers gets knocked down to 11th place. The Usual Suspects beats it. Dangerous Minds beats it. Showgirls beats it again. Like, Clockers, it felt like once the competition showed up, it just, like, got struck down. Yeah. And it and it lost, like, seven, still, number one, the following week, $12 million. So, like, seven's making all the fucking money, and none of these films underneath are making a goddamn dime. So I feel as though it very much was, like, right place, wrong time for Clockers. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I don't think it came out the wrong time. I think it came out exactly the right time, but it was just kind of like... It was just unfortunate that so many really good movies and also <laughs> not really good movies came out at the same time to kind of just fuck with its, like, positioning. I, I could, yeah, I see that, and like... Just siphon, and it also just siphoned a lot of viewership. I think what happened is what always happens with these big racial explicit movies is that you know, the general audience, the general white audience, was very uncomfortable with it. And, and yeah, Seven, great movie. I'm not going to take away David Fincher's my favorite director, but it's a, it's a dark, it's, it's probably, it's dark, but it's also, you could argue it's fictional in, in the sense that, like, those kind of crimes and, yeah, and stuff aren't it, the day-to-day. It was too, whereas Clockers is more grounded in reality, a dark reality people don't want to accept yeah and so when people generally when they go to see movies they go for an escape from their daily lives and you know white people don't want to go to a movie they're they're like oh my god it is kind of like that isn't it i i feel as though that i think white guilt played into it i feel like yeah i feel like it's a mixture of you have seven coming out which becomes a phenomena it like you could see Mm. the difference in the weeks like when clockers came out the highest it grossed was four million the next week following, seven did thirteen million, and then underneath that was as much as we want to rag on Showgirls, and it's also a candidate for this show. Like Showgirls was also billed as the first NC seventeen movie in a long while to be widely released. So it was that's like, the stripper mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah, you had like two event movies. A lot of back people, to a back. lot of people fuck with that movie. Yeah. It's a like, cult classic, apparently. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's a cult classic Never film. Never seen it. It's oof. Uh, uh, but, uh, <laughs> like, you have... It's like, literally, like, like from, from, like, from how it's been described to me, they describe Showgirls as, like, a feminist Americana movie because it's about a stripper who uses her sexuality to get ahead in the system or whatever yeah. and the world of... Uh, not beauty pageants, it's, but like you know, what I'm talking about like that beauty pageant performer thing where you gotta fuck the judge. It's a little bit. It's a little ahead. bit. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But ostensibly, it's Paul Verhoeven's. Like Paul Verhoeven's known to be like a political like guy. He tends to make a lot of politically charged movies, like RoboCop, which is about the police force, Starship Troopers, right. which is about our military. Showgirls was supposed to be about like the inherent sexism in show business. Which was right. which is fine, but like ah Jesus, like Eric, I'm, I'm is, sorry, every is, every actor in there sucked. But I digress anyway. Eric, Eric, look at it. Eric, look at it like this: which is easier for a general white audience to accept, 
a, a discussion about like inherent sexism toward white women in, in Hollywood or the troubles of inner city drug dealers and those poor white women yeah yeah like three (laughs) weeks well it's also too like seven i mean Emeka, you had a point there seven also was like a fictionalized crime thriller while clockers i could go back to that david lee quote if you want they wanted people to know that this was a real movie about real shit that happens every day and this is a very real movie and it's the type yeah. of movie that 1995 America was not fucking ready for yet. Like, what The Wire comes out like around the same mm-hmm. time as The Sopranos. So, like, you're like we don't get that level of introspection with the drug the drug war that we do now, and let alone the corruption in the police force, racism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Shit that like in 1995 only three years away from the L.A. riots and Rodney King, that, like, you know, white America might be a little bit uh, about. So, like, of course this movie, I feel like, wouldn't necessarily have gotten so huge, but I definitely feel as though the explosion of Seven and just, you know, white racism in general kind of killed its chances of making it, which sucks, because honestly... Clockers is fucking awesome. <laughs> Clockers is great. Yeah. Like you can't cheat your way to equality. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. It it grossed overall. It grossed about thirteen million on a budget of twenty five million. So adjusted for the the golden rule with this stuff is that if the the budget is about twenty five million, the movie had to make fifty million in order to break even or to make profit. Mm. arguably here i would make the argument that it's probably closer to like 45 million maybe 40 million to break even so they probably lost out on about 20 million to to 25 million here womp womp yeah big sadness big tears and you know how hollywood is if you didn't get a return on it that means don't make it anymore Yeah, yeah basically don't don't challenge the audience this much which is sucks, because, like, you know, Spike Lee is... Uh, Spike Lee's fucking sick. I, I definitely view Spike Lee as a goat, and this movie definitely shows... Like, if you only know Spike Lee as the, the guy who did Do the Right Thing or the guy that cheers on the sidelines for every Knicks game that ever occurs, like, go and watch some other movies. I definitely recommend mm-hmm. Clockers. I don't know about you guys. What do you guys feel? Do you guys recommend Clockers? Oh, hell yeah. I got uh, yeah for weeks. I fucking, I I think it's I don't I don't want to say it's a classic. It's clearly because of the public. It's underrated. It's definitely underrated. And I think it's if you if you like dark like sh- like real shit. I I I hate I hate sounding vague, but like it's real shit. You like real shit. You like dialogue that's like unfiltered and feels mm-hmm. like yeah. I can t- I can see a guy saying that shit. It's like it's like all the bits we liked about um um uh, American Gangster. It was like all the bits we liked about American Gangster is in this this film. Everything we liked about the wires in this film, just the gritty urban realness and people talking off the cuff, unfiltered, quote unquote locker room talk, just like saying the worst kind of things. But it's like, yeah, I can see a dude saying that. Yeah. yeah. That's the that's the other thing too. It's like it does the dialogue in that movie, it's not they don't talk like they're in a movie. 
like talk like people you, you took a tape recorder and you you went to brooklyn and you started recording some ignorant motherfuckers saying some ignorant shit i think i think spike lee definitely is one of the one of the strongest directors that we have now and i think clockers is a prime example of why he should be considered in the goat conversation when it comes to directing honestly not gonna lie like go but watch for this. all the shit but for all the shit i give spike this and um do the right thing or may stays in his uh belt there's other good ones but like you know i went on my rant of my gripes with spike but this is like one of his better ones yeah this one this one called me by surprise too i don't know why but just like from the description i had heard and i don't know what else but just like i thought it was gonna be boring to be honest and i don't know why i thought that i was just kind of like oh it's gonna be kind of like whatever you know like i know that spike lee's not boring i just know that it's kind of like it can be, he can be a little heavy-fisted you know what you i thought, mean you thought it was gonna get preachy yeah that's the word I'm when he's at his worst he gets a little preachy yeah but this wasn't preachy at all this was very much just like oh yeah it's just how it be yeah it's like this is how it be another another day another dollar uh, do what you will with it. They're, like that's the really the best part about the bittersweet ending is that there was no resolution. There was yeah. no like here's the solution to all these problems. Here's how we fix it all. No, it's like yo, that was his solution. That wasn't even a solution to me. Yeah, really, that was just his only option. <laughs> literally, literally, if 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 the if there was like like okay, what did we learn today? Leave the hood. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's a great way to say. All right, credits time. This episode of Bombed is produced, edited, and released by yours truly, Liam Wolf. That awesome intro track that you hear every single week is done by my good friend Jacob O'Brien. You can follow him at Vaulted Tadpole over on Twitch and YouTube for more music and video game live streams if you're into that. Joe McAndrew has done that awesome podcast art that you see each week. You can follow him at Joe MC Art or Joe MC Shut Up on Instagram. And of course, I'd like to thank all of you for sitting down and listening to this, whether it's on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever podcasts are held hostage. Thank you, and please send a like, share it to your friends, send us a review, even comment underneath if you want to say that we're idiots that don't know what we're talking about, or that I'm an idiot that doesn't know what I'm talking about. Any criticism helps produce and build this podcast beyond the mild constraints that we're at right now, so thank you for your honest-to-God support. This week's guests include Ameka and Eric Duh boys Ameka the director you can follow him i think on instagram but at least twitter eric just lives in the woods so he has no credits or plugs to put out there so thank you both of you guys for coming on to the podcast this week and again we'll see you next time in the near future uh sayonara that's 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 the